let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and my word, what a couple of weeks it's been. Yeah, I mean, everything happened. I know, and, and thankfully everything happened just before we recorded True. as well, rather than the day after. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I, I did keep a bit of a watching brief on Twitter today, on the Monday as we record, hoping that nothing else was going to happen on this occasion. I think we'll be okay. I think it's going to be quiet now for a bit. Yeah, I mean, Maybe. come on. I hope so. Yeah. Because there's a lot to get through. Well, we're gonna we're gonna jump into all of that in in, in a second. Before we do that, um, let's let's talk about what this this week's show is going to be about. Uh, kind of the theme running throughout the show. Okay, so the question for the uh, the show: Don't believe the hype. So the question or the suggestion came from Paul at UNRCD, current holder of number one fan status. So thank you very much for the question, Paul. Um, and so um, I decided that that would be a good opportunity to share some beers with you that I bought recently, Steve. Excellent. I am very much looking forward to these I beers. I thought as you well. might be. Um, and I'm I, very grateful to you for sharing them. No, that's all right. Um, they, they, you know, they are share a sort of size, apart from for this, I have to admit, for this company, I tend to drink them all to myself where possible. So these are Half Acre, which I purchased the bulk of my stock recently from beer merchants. I was thinking there for a minute. We're yeah. from, from beer merchants. So first up is the Pony Pilsner. Okay, so while you're opening that, Half Acre came to our attention probably about a year ago now. Yeah. When they uh, first imported probably their biggest hype or FOMO beer to the UK, which was Daisy Cutter. Yes. Um, and since then, I think this is the... Third, I think this is the time. third time the beer seems to have hit the shores. Yeah, but you also got to to find some of them while you in the States last year as well, didn't you? Well, this was one of the beers I did find in the States. So I had this in New York on a hot, summery, autumnal day drinking in a, an American pint glass in an American bar. So I was pretty pleased to get hold of that. So. Looking forward to this. Cheers. What do you think? Well, that does it, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, that is... Dry, it's a really dry finish to that, um, but it's really cutting on, on the finish. It's really sharp. It's got that slight breadiness on the nose yeah. as well, hasn't it? On the flavour, yeah, you get waves with a, of that. Well, it, yeah, but you, I think you associate with the pills and the style as well. Um, it's a nice fridge, fridge temperature, you know. It's a, it's a wild, it, actually, when you split the can, it looks like you haven't really got much in a glass at all because it's the US one pint cans, isn't yeah, it? So, which is still a little bit bigger than. Oh, four four. Yeah, this is around about a four seventy. I think this size can, so yeah. not quite a, a UK pint, but a very satisfying opener. I think oh, very much so. I can imagine. Um, can picture you sitting there nailing a pint of this in about three or four. It didn't. It didn't take too long. I have to be. Yeah. I, I did order a second before before Michael came back from the shop next door. For yeah, stuff he was looking at. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's really nice. So um, glad you're enjoying it. Thank you, thank you. I shall, I shall look forward to enjoying that. I need to slow myself down as as well. Otherwise, we're going to go through the beers and we're not long even going before the show's finished. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, we're going to mix things up a little bit this week in in terms of the format of the show uh, because there's a couple of big news stories that we need to to get to up front crack into uh, straight away so so first of all there was uh the, the news that started to emerge last week um of the new stocks going into tesco supermarkets as of today yes. as we recalled the first of april no joke no um 
there was an announcement from a fella on Instagram, Domo Beers, who um, is actually Tesco's beer buyer as well, That who over the last 10 days had been sharing pictures of new breweries and new beers that, that would be going into Tesco yeah. as, as of today. Uh, and I think as a result, he's... His follower count went up by about a thousand followers in a week. Yeah, it's probably gone up by more than that now as well. This, yeah. Um, But the big ones coming out of that, so there was um, Five Points putting a few beers into Tesco's. Um, Brewdog putting Funk Times Punk. Which had only recently come out as part of of the Overworks release. I think we both spoke about it on either the last show or the one before that. So to find that was suddenly landing there as well. Yeah. I was, uh, I was astonished at that. Also, and I think that's gone in at a price point of five ninety five a bottle, which is actually cheaper than Brewdog itself. Yeah. But I suppose for Tesco, for people looking, that's gonna that will potentially look quite expensive. It it will, but it's a big bottle. It it is a five hundred ml yeah, bottle. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can buy a six pack of pump for six quid. You can four pack of pump for six quid. Yeah. And what it's ostensibly if you're not that sure about it, it's just one bottle compared to four cans. Yeah. But I agree with you. I think, you know, at that price point, and I was massively impressed with it. Myself. Oh, I was really impressed with it, and I'm glad to be able to get hold of it so easily now. Um, two Spe- new beers. Speaking of getting hold of stuff easily. Well, two new beers from Thornbridge in 440ml cans. Which is a departure for them as well. Yeah, but we'll come back to those yep. as, as well. And and then the, the biggest announcement, the one that I think actually almost broke Twitter last week, was that Magic Rock were putting Cannonball into Tesco not just the Tesco extras though was it no it was in a lot of Tesco stores yeah. and the Tesco were they going to say it's going to be in some of the expresses as well um, not Cannonball no ah was it just some of the other ones yeah some of the other ones being some of the expresses um, but Cannonball's available in my Tesco in Whitton which is just a normal Tesco it's not an well, extra it's not a metro it was available at 9am on Monday the 1st of April at 9.01am they were locked, they were gone but I'm going to say it's in. It's also in the three for five twenty five promotion, which is a ridiculous price point for Cannonball. That's cheaper than you can buy it on Magic Rock's website. And it was canned less than a month ago as well. So it's it's not only super cheap. It's also super fresh Cannonball that, that's currently available in Tesco. Three for five twenty five. Yeah, three cans of seven point four percent IPA. It's a liter yep. of seven point four. Wow, fucking hell. Sorry. That's, that's, that's fine. That's astonishing numbers. Yeah. To see that beer, when you think about, yeah, that, I mean, that, you know, that's, well, astonishing that Magic Rock Cannonball has gone in, and but also that um, that price point, I didn't think it would be part of the offer straight away. I know. It's a, it's a shocker. Wow. I'm, I didn't know that. I didn't know it was part. Of, so have all the new beers? Have all the a lot of the new beers gone in as part of the offers, or does it depend on the beer, the size? Because um, I presume the four forties, you can't get those at three for five. I, I don't. I don't think so. But the the Tesco I was in today only had Cannonball, and, and I think they had Inhaler the as well. On the upside, they know their market. Well, they had Cannonball. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe Magic Rocks was was like, where does Steve live? Where's his nearest Tesco? Let's make let's make sure they get it. Let's show let's show a profit straight away. Yeah. Um, so so that was quite a big announcement, and that that very much set Twitter alight in in terms of straight away there was two sides. Everyone, there, there, there were those that were coming out. This is brilliant. This is a great yep. thing. And, and I have to say, I'm going to now my colours to the mast. 
I'm in that camp because because I can now get really affordable, really good beer in, in, in my local Tesco. And then there was the side that was more from the independent point of view, a lot of the indie stores. And I think it was it was actually Hot Burns and Black that said that the price that it's got into Tesco is cheaper than the price that they've ever been able to buy it from Magic Rock directly from. So that they made it quite clear that that maybe had severed their relationship with them at that point because they felt as though they had been hard done by. So a lot of people coming down on both sides. I can understand. Of, I mean, if you're, if you're looking argument. at it as a business and you can't, I mean, because a, 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 an independent shop is never going to be able to sell it for the same price, but if you can't even buy it at the same price as a supermarket before you even start selling it yourself, there's no, nothing to be made on that. No. So I can, under, I can understand that. I mean, I, what I thought was interesting was the way the news was released. So... The guy who runs, who has his Instagram account, that Damo Beers, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Because that drip, drip through a period of just over a week did get people's attention going. Yeah, it built and built. I think I think our attention was um, brought to it on, it was maybe late Tuesday yeah. or early Wednesday when somebody tweeted me a picture of the current list of beers and it included... Because it's, it's not just Cannonball from Magic Rock. No, it's, uh, there, was a, there was another because uh, Sorcery, yeah, Inhaler, and uh, a New England IPA and a four forty mil. Yeah, because Paul at UNRCD asked the original question. He uh, tweeted a picture to Yellow Moo as well. Yeah, from Thornbridge the, and and the one from yeah. Magic Rock two four forties. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll say that I think that from a consumer's point of view, if you can get hold of the beers. Um, Anyway, whichever way you can has got to be a good thing. Um, but I can see where independent shops or smaller businesses can take umbrage at this if they've been supporters for a while. Oh, absolutely. And um, we're going to use um, somebody else's poll that, that they did rather than I use one, one, one of our own. I did wonder if you were going to. <laughs> um, so John at Beer in the Suburb uh, did put out a poll on uh, Thursday, on Wednesday, um, and said, for those of us who buy beers from independent bottle shops, do you think that the new Tesco beer range will impact on how often you visit and how much you spend in those bottle shops? Genuinely interested in what beer Twitter makes of this. Uh, 62% of his voters said no to, to that question, that um, it won't impact on how much I spend in bottle shops. I, I, I voted that. I voted on that one. I said no. I, I, I said no. As, because as well. what I tend to buy from bottle shops, I rarely buy in bulk, as in one item in bulk. So, a bit like the case that Michelle got from Beer Central recently, similar to the sort of case you get, it's usually 12 or six, twelve to 16 one offs yep. purchases. I rarely go to a supermarket and buy a one off. So, it would be. You know, if I was in there, I'd buy a free cannibal probably now, or the four pack of Jaipur, or if I had friends coming out, they weren't too beer in, it's a barbecue or something, maybe a four pack of punk. Well, well that's I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to that, I wouldn't go to a bottle shop for those anytime. That that's that's the thing for, for me is that I will um, I will buy a, a box of beer from Sean a month, so I'll buy one box a month of which I set myself a monthly budget because otherwise you could very easily just spend and spend and spend. So I, I have to be quite strict insofar as saying this is how much I'm going to spend. And once that box, once I've hit that spend, that's the one box of beer I get a month. Now, normally, there's only 12 bottles in there. That, that's not going to last me for a month. So what, what has very much happened for me in the last six months is I've either supplemented that with 
cans or bottles of Rheinbacker from, from Aldi because I absolutely you love drinking like that just as a fridge staple. Or even more so recently has been the two packs of Jaipur for nine quid. Jaipur has now become a fridge staple for me because I can get it so readily at Tesco. Yeah, I can, and, I can and I can that. I can see that now having Cannonball sat next to it as well because I it will probably be a case of if I'm going into Tesco for something else because I don't I don't normally shop in Tesco but I do need to go in there occasionally for some items that I can't get elsewhere. Chances are I'm going to go down the beer aisle and I'm going to pick up three Cannonball while I'm in there. Yeah, as, as long as they're on that offer, I'm going to pick up a couple of cans while I'm in there. I mean, the um, my last three one-off orders have been, like I said, these came as part of an order from Beer Merchants, the Half Acre Beers, the aforementioned Beer Central order that Michelle got, and I did get an order for Bottle Shop until recently. So, but again, apart from the odd thing, generally it's one-offs, or yeah. maybe... If like maybe say with a half acre, I doubled up on a couple of them, but I wouldn't buy a case of twelve of the same thing. So, for me, I like I did like the poll. I thought there was actually quite a lot of sensible comments on that poll as well when I, I saw think it so. at the time as well. Yeah. So, hope John doesn't mind us plagiarising his work. So, thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, appreciate that. And you know, obviously, it's we keep an eye out for these sorts of things because it'd be very very easy for us to do a poll on anything that comes up that that, that people yeah. are getting emotive about, but. but the, that we, we can't always use that content, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, but also, there's only so many polls people need from from one one set of people, one yeah. set of uh, communicators. You know, there's plenty of other people who who ask good questions, and I thought it was a really well worded question as well. Absolutely. So that was the, uh, the the first bit of news. First bit of news. There was uh, more. That, well. I mean, we're coming on to the second bit, and then we're going to jump out of news, and then we're going to come back to it. We're going to give people a break from the news. But obviously, the big news of uh, of the last week or so was the news that dropped on Friday afternoon that that Magic Rock had um, sold one hundred percent of their business to to Lion, um, the same company that invested in Forpure. Yeah, same similar similar sort of transaction last year. Um, so obviously. Uh, the part of Twitter that hadn't already broken with the Tesco news earlier on in the week probably fell apart um, over that. Um, it did seem to be that quite a lot of people were hinting that they already knew it was happening and it was the worst kept secret and, and, and all the rest of it. And I know certainly at some of the events that we were at last week, we heard it got rumours yeah. of, of what was going on. Um, but yeah... Uh, what do you think about this? If I take aside the rumours we'd heard for maybe the preceding seven to ten days, um, personally I felt for a while that Magic Rock might be one of those ones. Um, I don't feel they've ever really, maybe a bit like Formbridge, have never really shouted about their independence and their craft credentials. I don't think Magic Rock are one of those really noisy ones either. We've spoken about that before. Which ones are the noisy ones on social media and stuff? Never felt they were like that either. Um, they had obviously started putting their beers further afield. M&S had started off, didn't they, last year with the free cans? Yeah. Um, but I'll go back. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be consistent with my answer. Same for Beaver Town and Forpure. And obviously people have different feelings about different breweries, largely a lot of the time because of the beers they've had from them anyway. Um Personally, as a consumer, doesn't bother me in the slightest. 
if the beers stay as good as they are, the one I mean, there are some styles which Magic Rock are making these days which aren't necessarily for me. But if the beers which I really like from Magic Rock stay as good or get better, and I think contrary to what I saw on a lot of social media, not every takeover has resulted in the beers dumbing down. No. My one of my prime examples for that will be um, Camden Hills, which I think is tasting better than it's ever has done. And I don't mean it's just tasting consistently bland, it's actually really flavoursome and consistently good. So not every takeover has led to beers being more down. I personally haven't noticed that much of a difference with the, say, Neckhorn and Gamma Ray that I've consumed. Um, and I think for Pure, I, I, I believe they were pretty consistently for round because they had a pretty impressive kit before they mm-hmm. got taken over. Magic Rock want to, want to grow, want to expand. Um, they did say that they looked at various options um, and, and those options still left them probably exposed as owners, money-wise. If you go and borrow more money, then you must be putting some form of collateral up that the banks don't give out for free. And um, crowdfunding will only take you so far. You know? Yeah, I think they mentioned all of that in the um, yeah. in, in the piece that they put out, didn't they? That they, you know, they'd explored all of the options and and they simply weren't going to a- allow them to realise their ambitions. Um, it's interesting that, that the one thing that I noted from that was interesting that they that they've said that they're. Um, almost brewing at capacity again and I'm, I'm sure it was only a few months back that they've just increased capacity well, yeah, again. Well yeah, they um, had some uh, pictures on Twitter of um, yeah. some new vessels being delivered yeah. um, but part of that capacity could literally just be space. It's obviously space as well, much as anything part else. part of that has got to be this deal with Tesco as well. Yeah, you've got to ramp it up then, haven't you? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean I did feel that every time we've had one of these stories the reaction... In, in some ways is slightly less muted yeah I mean it depends where you look I mean if you look in the right forums you can find some right um, bollocks being spoken but I would say generally there's a level of acceptance both from consumers point of view as well as the businesses point of view and I think there were some really good points made on both sides to be honest well as, as a comparison when um when the news broke of Beavertown last year, we, we ran a poll on the day that simply said, we're all, st- we're all still going to drink Beavertown, yeah? And 66% of people on that day said yes, they would still drink Beavertown. So we ran the same poll, exactly the same wording, just substituting Magic Rock for Beavertown. We fought long and hard about that, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this time, 83% of people said yes. So that's almost 20% more have said yes in less than a year that they would still be drink beers even though there's been a there's been a takeover yeah. or a buyout or and arguably at the time beaver town was a minority sale well yeah whereas well, magic, magic magic rock is is a hundred percent is a hundred percent yeah um, yeah i mean that's curious that is that, that has that has jumped up i think maybe people have got a little bit more um not disenchanted about it but are expecting it because I think you know as soon as that one went I did see a few people starting to name who they might think might be next yeah you know and, and some of those names I thought actually yeah you might might not be wrong actually um, what, what did you think because obviously you've got more of a track record with Magic Roll than I have on a on a personal level due to your being able to go up to Leeds on a fairly regular basis a lot of your beer journey involved Leeds and obviously Leeds to Huddersfield short journey 
Magic Rock Tap, Cannonball in Pints and Cans. So, what was your... And All right, let me... Two-part question. Okay. What's your feeling as it is now? Um, if you'd still been going to Leeds, would it have been any different? Um, it's, it's an interesting one because every time we've had this discussion about a brewery selling out, somebody has always asked us on Twitter, I wonder how Steve would feel if it was Magic Rock. And I think I've always said... I think I'd probably feel the same. And to, to be honest with you, um, I, I think your two questions is probably the same answer. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't really bother me. Um, I, I think what it, it's it boils down to, I, as long as the beer continues to be the beer that it was, and the beer that I enjoyed, I will continue to drink it. If it starts to change significantly then I will question my relationship with that particular beer. Not so much the brewery, because I think like um, with most of these things, they've made it clear, particularly in regards to the Tesco deal, that there are only some lines going into Tesco's and they're still going to be doing specials and that thing that you'll, that sort of thing that you'll be able to get from independents only. Um, but if the quality starts to dip, and that, then I will probably you know, question whether, like you would with any beer, question yeah. whether you want to continue drinking something that you don't enjoy. I think my view on it is probably exactly the same as it was with Beavertown. Um, I know Rich has uh, a family, and if I was in his shoes and somebody offered me a cheque that would see my children and grandchildren comfortable for the rest of their lives, I, I can't think of many people that would turn that down. Yeah, you'd certainly be giving it serious consideration, wouldn't you? Yeah. So um, I think I think for me, there's there's probably one thing that, that that I want to know um, is is that are we still going to see the annual Unhuman Cannibal release? Is is that something that Lion is still going to want to invest in? Same thing we spoke about with Fullers and their Vintage Ales. Yeah, um, because obviously for me that's that's a massive part of my annual beer calendar. That's that's the one release that I do really look forward to. Every yeah, year. It, and, and it's not really just the one beer now, is it? I mean, it's, there's always been a part it's, of that. It's, and a, whole, a, it's a whole thing. And everything they do like the Arsh, it's a trio. And if you throw in uh, Cannibal as a starter, you've got four beers in one hit. Um, who knows? I mean, I think there's so many questions which they probably had to deal with. Uh, a seasonal release isn't going to be the first thing they're, they're going to want to answer anyway. No, so I'm guessing my other question of when are they bringing back Magic 8 Ball... Is, is Even way further down, down the list, yeah. priorities at the moment. I mean, they, they, they've got to have a conversation with Kieran, explain the black IPA first of all, probably, <laughs> or lying anyway. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think from a, from a business point of view, though, like you say, it makes absolute sense. If you look at, if you look at Magic Rock, um, they're a similar sort of size and scale to 4Pure, very similar output, good distribution across the north. It, this essentially gives Lion, through two breweries that they've invested in, or two breweries that they've bought in the UK... It essentially now gives them total coverage in the UK. It definitely gives them. It gives them up and down. Probably anything they're they're perhaps lacking is a more to the to the west of the country, either west of England or or into into Wales. But you do now a lot of the rest of it on the mainland. So I think from a business point of view, it does make sense just just on distribution. And I did also hear that Four Pure are due to start brewing and canning little creatures soon as well. That makes sense. Four Pure have been expanding. Yeah, incredibly over their their Bermondsey side buying off the buying off the other sites or renting them anyway. Um, so I yeah, think, I, I think the bit. So what about the you know obviously the conversation that's come up before is about um, big business. Now, you know, I, I I find it hard in my daily life to avoid being involved with big business. 
whether that be work, rest or play. You know, big business builds my houses, big business does the roads, big business runs my trains, I work for a big business, and most of the products I buy tend to be done by big business, but people do, and I'm not saying they're right or wrong, but that seems to be the one thing that people really do seem to get to latch onto, yeah. about how big businesses operate. I mean, my, I would argue that, rightly or wrongly, most big businesses at some point, or still do, operate in a manner which is on the edge of the law at times. You know, take Amazon, Facebook, Google, lack of taxes, Google with their sponsored ads, which directs them to the Google pages, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, I don't know enough about Kieran. The only thing I know about Lion is literally little creatures they built for pure. There are, I think there's every big business has skeletons. Yeah, but you've you've got to, like I say, you've got to dig to find these things, and it's you ask yourself the question: of people are quite happy to do it about beer, but but do they do it in terms of everything that they buy? So you, you know, you go to the supermarket, you get your weekly shop, and you can lay it out on the table and say, right, I want to know what who owns this butter. Yeah, I'm going to dig into the parent company and the company that own them, and then I'm going to dig and find what dodgy yeah. dealings. So I assume people only do it. I, I'm going to take it, but people do it about the things that they're passionate about. Yeah, I, and I get that the so, beer community is passionate. I get that. Like like your football club. If your football club suddenly gets bought out by somebody who may seem a bit iffy, so it's no longer your what used to be traditional family owners. You don't know whether they're bringing money in or taking money out. You'd get you people get passionate about that. So I assume that you get passionate about you you delve into it when you're passionate about the subject matter behind it rather than about everyday life. Otherwise, you really wouldn't be doing anything else with your life, probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, take that aside. I suppose the big the the only the only concern for me with this sort of thing is now that there is such a good distribution tie-up between Four Pure and Magic Rock, and while very selfishly, if either of those two uh, breweries start appearing on taps in some places which are a bit more of the bland offerings, like Camden Pale Ale and Camden Hell started appearing in London in different places. Well, I've also started seeing a lot more neck oil and gamma ray around as well. Yeah. Um, well, that'll be, that'll be aided and abetted by, you know, pubs that Heineken run, pubs that Heineken own, or pubs that they put the taps into. Yeah. Um, that potentially could start to happen, I suppose, with beers from Four Pure and Magic Rock, which might make it a bit harder for or a lot harder in some people's cases to find that bit of tap space sometimes I think for bottle shops if they're really staying relevant and doing what they can to stay on top of or ahead of things then they can probably bring in other new beers the next wave there's the always, there's always going to be someone to fill yeah. that gap so I'm not it? saying it's easy I'm not saying it's perfect and the ex example by Hopsburn and Black was excellent but you know in that regard, they didn't stand a chance. Yeah. Because there's, there's no way they can compete. And I think, but I think Hot Burner Black probably wouldn't stop based on what they've said before about other breweries because they did a big post about Beavertown, didn't they, when, it, when they came out. They may have been reluctant to stock anything from um, Magic Rock anyway, even the specials perhaps, Yeah. Well, with, with that happening. So I can see both sides, but generally... This whole podcast for me started as just a consumer who got a bit interested in beer. I'm still a consumer by and large. And if I can get into a shop and find it easier. Ironically, I haven't actually got a Tesco Extra as close to me as I used to. So this keeps happening to me at the moment. I've moved further away from stuff. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, maybe they'll turn up in the co-op at some point. I'll go in the co-op, do a bit of shopping. I'll find Cannonball there. <laughs> they don't do three for 5.25 though. It's like six uh, quid. Yeah. Extra 75p, mate. 
Yeah, well, it's a smaller store. Yeah, it is a smaller store. Yeah. But yeah, I'm the beer. The beers stay the same. I'll take them. Yeah, I think I think the one thing that we probably both felt about it as well is, is is that the whole reaction did seem to be a lot more muted this time than the last time, and the time before that. And it, again, it's it's possibly that question we asked when 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 Fuller's sold is 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 this now just we we are, are we get, just used to it now we are a bit used to it, but also I think Beaver Town probably stood out a bit more than say Meantime and Camden and. For pure magic rock, because they had been such um, exponents of we are independent, we are craft, and I think that's probably why they got hammered a bit, and maybe to a lesser degree Camden, because Camden had also done their crowdfunding not sh- not that far before, not long before it as well. Yeah, and people have invested personally in those places, whether that be personally in time and effort, and you know a bit of fanboy, fangirl love. Or with actual money, but yeah, this it definitely felt there were still, you know, some people who had some very very strong views, um, but less of them I thought. Yeah, and, and unless I just wasn't looking in the right places this time, but I really didn't see, I, I didn't see the reaction that there was when Beaver Town sold. For, no, for, for I definitely don't think there was the same reaction myself, but it'd be interesting to see I think the interesting thing would be what we said before is what developments happens next yeah what, what yeah and then obviously well, you, you know it's, it's, it's a watch this space with that isn't it yeah well, I mean we are interested we do have we have a vested interest because you know you probably a couple of months off when you the cannibal run will be slipping into the schedule which is normally in May um, isn't it? yeah so you know we have a vested interest there's been no mention of it so far usually there's a little bit of a warm up coming up with some mentions but I guess they've been a bit, bit, bit busy so who knows well, I suppose if, if you take that in, in, in that respect, um, Goose Island, who are owned by AB InBev, still put out Bourbon County Stout every year. Well, they put more of it out now. That, that can't be cheap for them to produce that. No, do you know what? That's a good point, actually. That's a good point. As an example, and as you found out a couple of months ago, there's more than one iteration of that being put out as well. There, there is. So you may have your, your standard release and I say standard release with a caveat but it's still over 14% barrel aged but then there are various iterations of that as well yeah. so do you know what that, that's a really good example and, and I can't think I can't think of another UK brewery that has a single annual release that is as hyped as the Unhuman Cannibal release every year I, 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 I can't one doesn't spring to mind if, if there is no but I think for us uh, we probably look for it a bit more as well with Unhuman Cannibal because it's the big thing for us yeah it's bigger it's bigger for me than it was before but then I came into it a couple of years after you as well you've been in it since the start I've been there yeah. since the start yeah yeah um, well as I say it, it's, it's one of these things that just uh, we, we do need to keep a watching brief on and I think we'll, we'll see what, what, what continues to happen and whether there's any change in the beers and whether they become more available and if we still get to see Unhuman Cannibal. Yeah, maybe Magic Rock Tap will consider opening in Essex if Formbridge well, can't be bothered that's, then. That's up. So maybe Lion will really see a place in the market for, for a black IPA in a core range. It's, it's, everything's possible, Steve. Everything is possible. Uh, we've finished the Pony Pilsner. What did you think? Yeah, uh, like I said, you, this is your first time? I, I enjoyed it. There was a little bit of 
residual sweetness at the end for me. Um, a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of breadiness at the end that maybe made it a little difficult to start to finish. And I wonder if I had more more of a pour of that, whether I'd, whether I'd struggle with it a little bit more. I would say that we actually deliberately left it so we could dig into the news. I think normally we would have finished that. Probably could have crushed it. Long before that, yeah. that would have happened. Yeah. I mean, I had it a lot colder because in the States, I think there's only one temperature for, for Ooh, beers anyway. Which is cold. Cold. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it was a hot day, so it was, it was fair. We'd already done a walk in the, in the subway. Um, we actually left this, so we're probably taking the best part of 15 minutes to do half a canage, which is a bit unusual for us for this kind of beer. But I know what you're saying. Towards the end, those notes were extenuated. That sweetness and breadiness yeah. started start to, to come out as it warmed. As it as, warmed. as it started to warm in the glass, more more of that came through. But like I say, if it's if if it's a beer that is is designed to be drunk cold and quickly, then it it, it ticks the box. I mean, what's what's the ABV on it? That's got to be around the five. It's going to be around the five percent. Five point five. Yeah, well, actually, it's a bit bit heavier than I thought. Maybe quite... that, maybe that's why you get a bit more of that bready bready yeah. nose and sweetness because it has got a bit more body to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll come back to... The, there's some more news that we're going to cover later on, but we'll let, let, let's do what we're really good at now, which is talking about us. Us, so, our beery adventures. Our beery adventures. What have we um, been up to in, right. in, in the last couple of So we're company this. I'm going to open another beer. Okay, let's, let's do that. So this is Tuna uh, from Half Acre Beer Co. This is their extra pale ale, and I think we uh, are dropping down a little bit in percentage here. Uh, so we're down to 4.7 for this one. Okay, now I've had this one before. Yeah, so we've both had this one. Yeah. Uh, I've got to, got to say I will already openly say absolutely love this beer there's there's a, a, a dryness to it that is just absolutely perfect oh I'm very much looking forward to it we'll just let that settle for a second um, so well we've both been up to a few things haven't we so um, since last show I have been to Brussels with Clayton I've been to Southport the home of Adnams with uh, Michelle and a 36 hour round trip to Hull of which about 14 hours was spent in the car Lovely. Yeah, I know. Brilliant, eh? Yeah. Um, start with Brussels. So, uh, Clayton and I decided to do a pre-Brexit visit to mainland Europe and uh, drink as many belgian beers as we could in a short space of time. So, um, naturally, we reached out to friends of the show, Jezza, who um, gave us a list which would have lasted us about 10 days, <laughs> <laughs> let, let alone the aforementioned, it's a day trip, Jezza. Yeah. Um, however, he did give us a couple which we did use. So obviously, you know me and Clayton, we're, we're always going to go to Canteon. Yeah, yeah. It opens at 10, and it's a short walk from the, from the Eurostar Terminus, and we were on the 6.47. So we got to Brussels just after 10. Got into Canteon at half 10, and the barbie was already full, the little seating area. At half past 10? Yeah, because it already had a self-guided tour, and another one was ready to go. So they do these self- And this was on a Thursday? Thursday, yeah. Wow. Um, and these are, there, there were some Americans... There, there was some, um, I think there were some Japanese, there was obviously some mainland Europe, and there were, I think there were a few from the UK as well. So it just attracts people. Yeah. It, it's that reputation thing. I suppose, you know, in accordance with the show, it's the hype about going to Canteon, having having Canteon beers there. So they also have, a, they do have a few on um, keg, but you can get it on, on the keg at the bar, but most of them are from their bottles and stuff. So we tried a few. Um, but yeah, one of the, there was one called Magic Lambic. Oh, 
So wow. that was a, it was a really nice. Well, it wasn't a collab with anyone that we've just been spoiled. No, do you know what? About, I, I was looking at it thinking, <laughs> oh, go on. I mean, that was before I knew the news. I thought that would be brilliant if it was. A hoppy, um, a hoppy lambic. A hoppy lambic. That'd be a good one, wouldn't it? So yeah, it was, um, I just had it down. It's basically a fanboy's lambic. I said, down as fruity and sharp. I mean, it was just absolutely delicious. That was the last beer we had in there. That was just really nice going in there again. Um, then we went to a place called Cafe Bebo, um, which made me chuckle as it had the name Bebo in it, which is a, a fairy character from one of the DC programs we watch. <laughs> yeah, um, place I've been past many a times because it's on the direct route from Brussels Station from Midi Station straight to the square. Um, but I would have walked past it. But Jez said it's worth a visit. It was a bit of a halfway point between there and Mode Lambic, and uh, we had a very very pleasant sort of best can describe it as a house triple. But really nice, um, not too, not too triple. It was just a nice one for an afternoon where it was definitely sitting outside weather as well. It was cafe, cafe weather sitting yeah. outside, so it was quite good. Uh, anyway, just a quick cheers. Oh, cheers. Here's the tuna. So then we went on to Moda Lambic. Now Moda Lambic was a little bit of a surprise. I I haven't been in there for a couple of years, and um, they've got some cask. Really? Yes. Um, I think it's five or six pumps. And um, after the triple and after the Canteon beers, and we were going to have a, like just a small bite to eat as well, um, decided dark beer was in order. You know you know the feeling. As you do, yeah. And um, went for this beer called Heavy Porter from No Science. Um, all I've written down on Untapped is absolutely divine. See it, buy it. <laughs> and um, I hadn't realised it was on cask at the time, but as you can see from the picture, they look... Pretty nice. That's a, a beautifully white head for yeah. a stout as well. Yeah, I mean, it there's was. no. It wasn't a creamy coloured. Yeah, there's no brown tinge to yeah. that like you normally get with a stout. I mean, that is perfectly white. And it was delicious. Again, it wasn't one of these porters which is sweet, heavy lactose or anything like that. It was just a, what I've called a, to call it a phrase, a proper porter. Perfect for what we wanted at the time. Really nice and made alambic. Then we made our way to Brussels Beer Project, which I hadn't been to before. Uh, a bit more of a modern feel to that one. Nice big area out the back. Bit of barrel aging going on there as well. And uh, we did a we did a flight in there. Um, Babylon, Babylon, their extra special slash strong bitter. It's almost like their take on an on an ESB, so yeah. to speak. Really nice, um, and just a really nice feel to the place. And it's where I picked up one of the beers that we've got. Later on. It's coming up next. Coming it? up next, yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll name check that then. Um, then we went to a place called Monk, uh, which was recommended by Jezra as well. Um, not a massive beer list, but again, you don't need a massive beer list. There's a few good ones on there. But they had the brilliant cheese and meat platters. Lovely that was. So we just had, had like a Belgian IPA, cheese and meat platter. There was about three or four people in there, and then suddenly there must have been some office party because ten minutes later there was about hundred people in there, <laughs> and we were sat in the corner. I felt like I was actually in the party as they started putting coats around, around us. We were obviously in the place where they were going to put coats. Yeah. Uh, so we moved on to a place called. Now I did get told earlier today how to say this, so bear with me. Uh, Poshna Kelda is the well best done. way I can do it I actually asked a Belgian person at work yeah and then they said oh that looks a bit like Dutch Belgium I said I don't know <laughs> I don't know and uh, it was this really weird place with lots of different pictures and things hanging off the wall etc and uh, so we had a nice Belgium strong dark ale from Brewery Durank 
which was absolutely delicious. I think you saw the picture of it and thought, well, that's the, the picture that we put up on Instagram of yeah. reviewing Clayton and enjoying a couple of dark yeah. beers. And that was, uh, uh, that was really nice. And we were going to go to another place recommended by Jezza, but it was closed. So we just ended up sitting outside a street cafe called La, La Marseille and then just wandered back to the station. Sounds like a lovely day out. It was a brilliant day out, obviously helped by the fact that it was one of those really nice spring-like days, so that always helps, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, picked up some Canteon beers to take away and picked up some some of the the, the beers which, I, which we're going to be showcasing next. So, yeah, very, Excellent. very enjoyable trip to Brussels. So, like I said, again, thank you very much to Jezza for the list, which if I go another 10 times, I still won't finish. So, some of it sounds like my absolute worst nightmare. Yeah, I think the... Um, the Monk, where it was an IPA and uh, a cheese and meat platter. You would quite enjoy that. And I think Brussels Beer Project, you would find a few on there as well because of the more modern style of some of the beers. I think there's one or two which probably wouldn't appeal to you. I think Canton is worth a visit, but I don't think there's much on the list for you. Yeah, I, th- there was a picture of an IPA that you posted that looked so delicious. In, in, in the picture, the colour of it and the, the head. Yeah, I think that was. It, I think that might have been a monk. It, it, it just looked incredible. Yeah. And I was like, and and I looked at it and I was like, eh, but it's got to have that Belgian edge to it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Is that still holding you back? It's, I, 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 well, it, it shouldn't be because if 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 I take the likes of Duval, which I'm I'm quite happy to drink whenever I see it, that's Belgiany. Yeah. So, so I, I don't know what it is that, that, that's well, holding me back. Keep that in the back of your mind then. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Okay. I'll, I, I will try to do that. Yeah. So, um, so I had a day and then I, went, then I went back to work the day after and then decided I'd go to Southwold. As you do. Yeah. Well, M- M- Michelle's uh, brother and sister-in-law live very, have, a, have a place near there and um, said, do you want to come over? I went, yes, go on then. And... Um, you know, usually, obviously, I dipped into a bit of ghost ship. I had a bit of the old ale, which was quite nice in one of the you local pubs. You never did. You never went to Southwold and drank ghost ship. I know. It's hard to believe that, isn't it? Um, I also tried the cider that Adams have brought out recently, the Wild Wave cider. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was nice. How was that? It was nice. I mean, we were in the Sol Bay Inn, um, which, for anyone who's seen pictures, is the one right near the lighthouse at Southwold. Sun was coming in. It was a really nice drink at the time. And I would have it again during the summer. Nice apple flavour to it. Um, I also tried the Ghost Ship Zero on tap. Uh, keg or cask? Keg. Didn't see it on cask. Okay. Um, it's okay. I think out of the can is probably at it, it's the, what I like the most. I think you get a bit more bitterness from the can. Quite like that. And I found some 330 cans while I was there as well. So I'll put some of those in the fridge. Do you, do you think if they did it, did a cask version, it would give it a little bit of that body that, that, that we've, 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 we feel lacks from the... I think it might give it the body. I'm just beers. not sure... If you'll get much else apart from body, then myself, just not sure. Might okay. be too light to be anything else. Uh, but it'd be an interesting one. Uh, but we went to the Swan Hotel, which is, uh, they've got like a little tap area at the back of the Swan Hotel, which just outside that is where they start the tours and finish the tours. Um, happy to report that we met up with um, one of our one of our listeners, Sean at Uncrulia. He popped in and... Um, he did he wow you with science and numbers? He did do a bit of science and numbers at Brilliant. times, yeah. And um, he also, when we will feature this at another, a later date, so he offered us some homebrew, didn't he? Oh, so, fantastic. Yeah, I think we're doing that on the next show proper. Next proper show. So oh, a few weeks ago, but yes, thank you very much for that, Sean. And also bumped into, um, well, let's call him Head Brewer because apparently Fergus just presses buttons these days. <laughs> uh, Ed Razzle. 
So uh, it was really nice to see Ed, and he spent the afternoon with us as well there. So shared a few beers with him as well. So that was really, really good fun to see Excellent. a few people. Nice. That was really good. And yeah, so again, any pub I went to, I did just generally drink Adam's beers as I was yeah. around there. And to be honest, in and around Southport, it's quite hard not to drink Adam's beers. So that, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got a I've got a weekend planned in Southwold in the summer, which, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, because, like you say, you can't really go in a pub in a, in Southwold without finding Adnams. And actually, why would, why would you want to go in any of the? Because there are a couple there that aren't necessarily Adnams on the yeah. outskirts of town. Why would you even bother when you can go to three within short walking? I distance? might as well have brewery fresh beer from a brewery that I really like. Yeah. So, and all the ones I have are really good. And just the last thing, a very brief visit. The weekend just gone to Hull. Uh, we, me and Michael were looking at it as a as a possible university destination for him. Uh, he, I don't think he's going to go for it. But um, other than spending lots of time in the car because of very, for various issues on the roads, did manage to sneak after we uh, finished the whole day at the at the university a little visit into Hull city centre. And um, pleased to report, what I popped into the Atom Brewery Bar as well. Tried a few of their beers. Um, nice bar. Um, good range of their own beers there was one set of keg taps which was just theirs and on the cast they had two of theirs as well and then they had a two two guest cask and then the other taps were guest taps oh nice no, don't really hear much about Hull no. as, a, as a beer destination no. do you um, and there was another place um, further down towards the marina um, basically a tap house and that was mobbed that was uh, about half seven me and Michael looked at it and went no and I think I probably would have gone no regardless even if I didn't have my 18 year old son with me so um, the, the Atom beers were ra- rather nice I did have a nice um, I think it was a keg porter that was really rather tasty I have to admit that it's one of those nicely hit the spot after a couple of the, the paler beers so yeah really nice spot and I also tried Stone's Bitter which I'd never tried before cask yes and it was okay uh, was it anything special to me no um, looked fabulous in the glass I was in Hull so as you can guess a sparkler was used in the dispense method and it did look uh, very good in the glass with the um, with very nice badge behind it actually the stones badge oh that, that it does look like a good pint doesn't it yeah pictures always work really well on the audio podcast yeah. but Martin is showing me a picture of, of, of the stones bit that does just look eminently quaffable yeah and I had a couple of pints I was in the pub where we stayed and we played a game of darts so I was I was trying to think he was was more than happy I was more than happy with that so yeah that was my solo beery adventures you have been busy in the last two weeks haven't you beerily busy because that doesn't include the ones I've done with you yeah which we'll come on to so (laughs) I I do have one beery adventure I've only done one thing that's Um, right you talk I can drink tuna now uh, yeah so we had um, our biannual I, I, I always struggle with biannual no, if no, it's no. something that no. happens twice a year or something Yeah, but Winter Clayfest Winter Clayfest happens every year. In winter. Hang on. You, uh, let me finish the sentence. Our biannual gathering of beer and barbecue, which we have twice a year. Make it easy for yourself. Just say it's Winter Clayfest okay. and it's only once a year. Okay, so it's Winter Clayfest. There you go. Uh, which happened to coincide to your trip to Hull. So you actually oh, no. missed Winter Clayfest. Which, no, it was rather annoying. You're absolutely devastated. I, I, I genuinely was. Um, so uh, always hosted um, the winter version hosted by our our, our friend of the show uh, Matt 
who's on at half pint gent because he does have a bit um, a bar in the bottom of his garden, which <laughs> when it gets when it gets a bit colder at the end of the evening, it's somewhere to to, to go and relax in. Uh, as always, Clayton produced uh, an amazing array of starters and mains and. Um, New for this year as well. We had a full-on cheese board as as well. So I, we saw, I saw, I saw the cheese. I saw the amount of cheese bought as well. So uh, we did have a bit of a cheese share in the evening as well, alongside uh, because uh, particularly at the winter edition, um, generally there's less numbers than, yep. than at the summer. So we did try and have a bottle share as well. So we we had a bit of a bottle share, uh, shared a few good beers, uh, a few standouts that instantly spring to mind. Um, Simon bought. Uh, 2015 edition of Wild Beers, the blend. Oh yeah, which just was absolutely incredible. It was just on the it was on the tart side of sourness for me, but that just had so much flavour going on. It was it was really really drinkable, really really incredible stuff. And and the other one that was a real standout was um, Tom bought a Distruse Quad. Um, now, despite my apparent aversion <sighs> to Belgian beers, I do love a quad. <laughs> I do really love. A quad. They know how to make a cord, and this it was incredible. It was all it was um, rich fruit cake. It was raisins. It was dark fruit. It was soft and bitter. There were bits of hints of chocolate on the finish. So you, were you having this when I was having Stones bitter? Possibly. Oh great! <laughs> yeah, it was it was really good. We just just had some really good beers. Really good time. Um, yeah, and and as as I say, thanks to both Clayton and Matt for for making it happen, really, because uh, like I say, you know, we are we are very lucky to have a bottle share group that has spawned these two wonderful events that we have every year. We have the Winter Clay Fest, which normally takes place in February. It was very late this year, right at the end of March, mm-hmm. and and then we have our annual summer gathering the original clay fest as well which is quite early this year as well being at the beginning of june so there's only actually about eight weeks separating the two this year whereas normally there's a couple of months oh yeah i thought it was the first week of july no it's first saturday the first of june is it blimey i thought i was sworn it was july am i free (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i am first of june i was gonna say please please tell me it's first of june yeah um yeah, I mean, I, I'm gutted to miss it. it looked, the, the food looked amazing. I think, you know, especially at the, you know, both of these, the food does take centre stage to a certain degree because the beers are definitely playing second fiddle a lot of the time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he did, uh, he, he did the now, what has become the traditional starter of chicken wings. Um, but one of the set of wings, so he did, he did a load of chicken wings. He split them into two, two batches. We had the salt and vinegar rub. Oh yeah, chicken wings, which I've, I've never seen a group <laughs> of people devour oh. a pile of wings so quickly. Um, but then he also did some wings, which he had brined in uh, a brew by Numbers Baltic bourbon barrel aged porter, as well. So they were these beery wings, and they had taken on all the sweetness from the beer, and they were just oh, you're looking at me like you. They hate me right now. Well, I hated you on Saturday when you sent me the picture as well. And I showed the picture to Michael and Michael hated you as well. Uh, but the wings were brilliant. Um, yeah, I mean, Clayton is a genius on a barbecue. That's 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 all I'm going to say. Yeah, second to that. And, Definitely. And we are very grateful that he is, um, he is part of our group. And a man that is still 
in the four plus years of, of bottle share still has not 50 missed plus i mean what we're at bottle share tomorrow night as as we record this so that's bottle share 51 and he's never missed one no that's a, that's an amazing commitment yeah to to an event yeah co-founder with along with yourself and he has been at every single one yeah i mean that's brilliant i yeah. mean i i probably myself I wonder if I've even been at half, maybe just over half. I've, I've probably, I've done two thirds, I would say, if I had to go back. I could probably go back and look at my diary, but conservatively speaking, I'd say about two thirds. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of years which clash with holidays. Um, then there's the odd occasion where you just simply can't make it. Yeah, work gets in the way, life gets in the yeah. way. Yeah. Um, but no, Clayton, however, has much more dedication to the cause. And he will be there. Probably helps that he lives in Chelmsford as well, whereas yeah. neither of us do. Yeah, I mean that does doesn't hinder him, but still, I'm 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 still impressed by the yeah, stats. Yeah, yeah, me the too. stats are good. So, so that was one my, my one beer adventure. Good beer adventure though, um, because the other ones were, were things that we did together as 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 well. So the first of those, which was a first for us as well, we were invited to um, judge a beer competition. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They they ran out of experts and asked us. Yeah, decided to invite us. Um, no, all, all joking aside, um, many thanks to uh, Will Longmate for, for for getting us the invite. To, yeah. to be part of the Simply Hops Underdog Underdog competition. So which, I think this is their is this their fourth fourth year of doing this competition. Fourth year. So the the, the basically the competition and it's this is by professional breweries. As, as, as well. Oh yeah, this isn't, this isn't this a homebrew competition. See, I thought it was a homebrew competition. I, so I, didn't, I didn't read the instructions properly. Um, but And it's using a hop that is usually overlooked. Yeah, or the idea of the it's really showcased. Yeah. So this year's competition was to use the Comet hop, yep. which I have to say is a hop that I'd never come across before Nothing this. I knew about it. So you have to use 50%. Yeah, in it. a pow owl variant. Yeah, and there were certain hops you couldn't use. Yeah, so you remembered those. What were those? Well, there were you, I think you couldn't use Citra, you couldn't use Mosaic. I think Galaxy might have been off the list Amarillo. as well. Amarillo. So all, all those big, big alpha citrusy, citrusy yeah, type hops, yeah. they were no-no because they felt that would just overwhelm yeah. the comic. Um, so it was variants, like I say, it was variants of pow owls. You could... Um, English, American parallels, you can include Belgian parallels, it included a whole range of different IPA styles, including black IPAs, um, all these different styles of beers that fell within certain ca- categories um, within the criteria. So, so yeah, we went along um, and we got to sit through a lot of beer that was put in front of us. Over 30 beers, I think we sampled. Yeah. Um, it was quite good because, I mean, there was a variety of people there generally who'd done this kind of thing before uh, from various places and we also had um but we were lucky enough to be on a table with uh the guy who i think is alex who runs the um cafe beer fuggles yes beer fuggles cafe uh lovely chap and also um oh what's his name the guy who matt who helps run indie man Indie Man and also he had an involvement with North Zapato Bar. Brewery. Yes, is is his his brewery. He's setting up, yeah. setting up his own brewery and tap room. It basically, Pennine Way, isn't it? So to speak. Yeah. Um, they helped us at stages as well. Some nice, some nice, good tips actually. So thank you very much, guys. Um, basically, we had to score out of forty. 
for each one. It was it was actually really interesting and actually incredibly difficult. The scoring bit was the sim the simple bit about it, but coming to that score was quite hard at times because you were judging it on you weren't allowed to judge an appearance. Good job, really. Good job for some for, of them. For, for us. <laughs> um, but they're on, uh, you know, flavour, aroma. Did it showcase the Comet Hop? So, yeah, I think it was actually um, quite a difficult competition. I mean, what did you what did you think? Um, firstly, as an experience, then of, of the beers themselves. I, I, I agree. It's an experience. It's, it's a very, very tough thing to do to try and stay um, kind of consistent with, with your scoring. And I think because we've had no professional training in that area... We both went in with we, we kind of created our own criteria, didn't we? On on the way, which was firstly, do I like this beer? Yep. Um, secondly, would I pay money for it? And and thirdly, would I buy it again? Yeah. So I think that's essentially how we that was our were, starting point, were wasn't it? At it? But but yeah, it was um, yeah to go over you know essentially what were trays and trays of beers that were p- presented in front of you to try and find one that was really good and I think that there were a number of rounds weren't there so yeah. we had a first round where we didn't get to try all the beers no but between all the tables everybody had two thirds roughly three of three that were the same yes In so and then they got whittled down to 12 the tables got reduced and everyone got to try all the 12 yeah and then they went down to five and there was then a final judges table yeah to, to come up with the, the, the top three and the winners from there. So yeah, it was an interesting day, I mean, it did take the full day, and um, but definitely one of the highlights for me, other than just the judging, was having a wander around the facility. Oh, I've, I've never known that there was that much that went on behind hops. Yeah, um, bearing in mind how often we bang on about these things, yeah. Steve. Um, again, it just highlighted to me just how, how little we know about it sometimes. But as it turned out, where we were, there was a reason why this company exists in Paddock Wood. It was the old hop marketing board building wasn't it yes uh, fabulous building um but we got a tour of the facility which was a, a wonderful tour which took us through cold stores different floors uh the machinery that makes the pellets um basically how they put them all into bales all the ancillary products they make they're trying yeah. to make out of it i mean they effectively try not to waste any aspect of that hop. no they try and use every single element yeah of it. And, um, you know, there were some parts of the building where there just a wonderful aroma going on, wasn't there? Um, some very sciencey bits. the smell of hops. Yeah, some very sciencey bits going on as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I thought that was a, it was a thoroughly enjoyable day. Thank you very much again to Will for recommending us. Thank you very much to the guys who looked after us, especially Maya, who uh, was our, our main point of contact during the day yeah. as well. Um, I'd love to do it again. Yeah, and so from that, there was an eventual winner. Yes. So um, congratulations to Hop Hooligans, who are a brewery from Romania, who produced Collision Course, which uh, simply says on the can label, Comet BBC Centennial BBC DDH Dipper. So this is coming in, this is 8.5% in a 330ml can. We don't know 
if we had this. No, because we didn't get to try every beer. No, we didn't. So, um, but thankfully, again, once again, thanks to Simply Hops, they have given us a couple of cans. Yep. And we are going to be featuring that on our next Opinions on Film show. Yes. Which will be our next show because we feel the the name of it ties in quite nicely to the film that we're going to be watching. Exactly. Yes, very (laughs) nicely indeed. So thanks, thanks guys for that. And congratulations to Collision Calls. I mean, the prize is worth having. Two and a half grand up front, plus 10 grand worth of travel, where Simply Hops get, take them to some of the main hop producing parts of the world. Absolutely, yeah. Take them over to their Great facility price. in Germany, take them over to the US Harvest. Um, they'll be able to get some good contacts there as well, yeah. won't they? So, congratulations to them and thanks again. And then the other thing that we did, again, which was what we both did, um, we went to the Tate, we were invited to the Tate. Um, to attend the so take do a series of tap takeovers um, it's normally the last Thursday of every month and they have different breweries come in and showcase their different breweries so uh, when we were invited we've been invited to a lot of them in the past but we've never quite been able to make it no uh, when this one came up on the list we cleared a space in our diary yes. to be able to make it so this was a Thornbridge takeover at the Tate um, and what a night that was that was good. I mean, we got um, a chance also to speak to, is it Andrew? I want to say Andrew, the one who runs the... He works for the Tate. He curates all the... Food and beverages for yeah. all the Tate yeah, sites. Yeah. Not just the Tate Modern, Tate Britain and a few other Tate sites as well. Um, so you, you'll you be able to hear some bits from him in a future show. Um, but he, uh, we went to a, a bar I hadn't been to in the Tate before. Um of an evening time, nice clear day, London lit up, beautiful. Oh, it was lovely, wasn't it? Yeah, beautiful we got a little spot. bit of behind-the-scenes access while the, yeah. the, the party was going on downstairs. So that, that was really nice. Um, the tap takeover actually takes place in the terrace bar, which is actually on the first floor at the, at the back. Um, and yeah, we had a, a good range, we, we got to sample a good range of... Um, good range of Thornbridge beers. So, Thornbridge beers. Um, Jaipur. Obviously, obviously was 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 on the list. Um, also, Green Mountain, which I didn't realise until the next day was actually the first time I tried it, and I was actually quite surprised at how much I enjoyed it, considering the style that it is. Yeah, but it's a hazy Vermont rather than just a full on yeah. fruit fruity gloopy juice. And I am search- certainly going to be searching out more Green Mountain as a result. You, you mean those four pack cans? Yes. Okay. Uh, we got to try Lucas, which was tasting absolutely banging. Uh, the new collab with Magic Rock. Uh, Yalamu, yep. which is which is as we already said is going into Tesco's, uh, and we also got to try uh, Love Among the Ruins and Necessary Evil, which yeah. is the twelve percent Imperial Stout. Nice mix of beers, great mix of um, beers, very well balanced in terms of their styling. Yep, Necessary Evil was one of the beers that they had on at Peak Ender last year, but which I think we never quite got to. The queues were just too big. Yeah, at the bar they were at. Um, I mean, the, the the Necessary Evil was one of those very typical complex chocolatey vanilla imperial stouts um yalamu yalamu um really enjoyed that nice and fruity bit of pithy bitterness um the other beers i mean apart from green mountain obviously jaipur love among the ruins and lucas we've we've sampled those before uh but yeah no really 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 interesting evening but what i did like is the fact that even where the the taps are 
they have made it into a piece of art. Yeah, it's certainly with the um, the keeping of the aesthetics of the place, isn't it? The, the, the way that they've designed that Oh yeah, taps. definitely. And um, I mean, I was I didn't know that bar was there. I mean, I know that bit of London pretty well before I go for runs around there. But it's, it's sort of tucked away. You can't see it that clearly from the road. It just looks mm. like another part of the gallery. But if you are going past and it, you can't get up to the bar at the top, which I did take you to, the bar on the sixth floor. Yeah, we enjoyed a couple of drinks up there. Yeah, which gives you a wonderful view. Yeah. I, I think that it's well worth a visit even if there's no tap take over there because the curator for the, uh, the food and beverages is basically a mad keen beer nut. Yeah, he loves his beer. So he, he, loves he beer. wants to get he wants beers to get in, in all the time. While we were there, we, we were lucky enough to um, spend some time with Simon Webster, who's the CEO of Thornbridge. Yep, thank um, you. Very, thank you very much, Simon, for your time. And uh, Simon had this to say uh, about their new cans and the cans that are going into Tesco. So we've been chatting about new beers going into Tesco's, a whole new range this week. There's been a lot of news about that. A, a lot of news. And, and one of the things that stands out probably more than anything else is the new Thornbridge beers that, that are going to Tesco's. Quite not, excited about that. Not, we're not just seeing a new four pack of beers. We're actually seeing four 40 mil cans for the first time for Thornbridge. And big beers. And big beers. And we are lucky enough be with Simon Webster, CEO of Thornbridge. How are you doing? How are you? Different um, set to the last time we met. Very yeah. much so. No hay bales this time. <laughs> yeah. Welcome yeah. back to the show. Yeah, um, so tell us about your um, decision to go big with, with, essentially go big with Tesco. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something we've been working with the guys at Tesco for, for, for a while now and what they've been <clears throat> always supportive with, and I think you'll see this with some of the other uh, other beers coming through is is managing distribution. Tesco have got three and a half thousand stores. You know they they don't say there's three and a half thousand stores. Can we have can we have some Jaipur? They've generally worked with us along the way. And what we've done over the last it's probably eighteen months since we we went back with Tesco was was actually uh, manage our expectation, their expectation, and, and build and build. Which you know they, they've always said to us, we have the scale. You can work with us, but we've we've not tried to run too much. Mm-hmm. Despite Jaipur Gate, no cans around originally, we've tried to make sure we fulfil. Yeah. All so of the requirements. Obviously, you say what it's been about six months now since you first put the first cans into. The first cans were about Tesco. six months ago. Yeah. Um, obviously, initially just Jaipur yeah. and single cans of Sing- Green Mountain and Florida Vice. Yeah. Um, this time we're seeing scaling up of Green Mountain into yeah. the, the the four packs of yeah. similar to Jaipur. Um, plus the addition yeah. of 440 mil cans, yeah, which is a first time for you guys as well, isn't it? No, it's a big one, yeah. And again, it was something that um, uh, was very much sort of driven by Tesco. On they were looking for two 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 beers, which were uh, were in 440, because they've got quite a big commitment to 440. And I think what you'll see in 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 the latest uh, window are multi buy 440s. Because I think it was very brave what they did uh, back in September. Um, but of course, a three pound beer in a supermarket is a big step, mm. isn't it? Sort of thing. So I think yeah. I think what they've looked for now is a little bit more comfort from from the purchaser. So you'll find you may find a, a two four, or we do know there is a some form of uh, multi pack going in there as well because one of our beers is in there where you get three four forties and a glass sort of thing. So you know which will be possibly at a discount rather than yeah. sort of, and a price point. That's and quite it's, interesting because I think the first four forty I saw in Tesco was the. Blueberry yeah. waffle stout Absolutely. from Yeasty Boys, yeah. Yeah. which yeah. was a bit amazing to see. That, that was a big step in terms of beer in Tesco, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's got quite a jump. Yeah. Um, 
how has that changed things for you then? Because obviously, canning was still quite relatively new yeah. for you guys. Three thirty start off with four forty. How yeah. easy is it to shift? Well, we, we we've set up the canning line with, with two sizes that we that we're ready for now. So three thirty and four forty. <clears throat> we took the decision that we would uh, only do printed cans, so we have no labour on there, labeller. So we will generally do four forties in decent batch size that actually uh, do that so with, with Tesco asking for that we thought it would be good but we also thought somewhere down the line there'll be a few few um, beers that we'll put in 440 that'll suit you know the independent market as well which won't be available in, in supermarkets uh, because we, we found people asking for the 440s as much as the, the 330s now, out of curiosity was it surprising that Tesco Asked for the four forties because that is a. Uh, it was a huge supply back back in. It was it's actually six months ago that they first asked us, and the idea at the time was to do mango halcyon, uh, and the uh, the beer that we did with five points, the Mybock uh, lager. Oh right. Um, we weren't able to do that, but what they did is they kept two slots open for us. So they said, you know, you know, we're, we're working with them very well. We'll keep we'll keep those two slots open for you, but could we have two beers in uh, in come uh, come come April sort of thing? Okay, so. so two beers can you announce what they are yeah but, well I think somebody's beat me to it actually I think uh, Tom Hill at Tesco yes it's all yeah. over it's all over Twitter isn't it for those who haven't got Instagram and Twitter <laughs> yes they are Pink Grapefruit Halcyon uh, and also a beer called Yellow Moo which is a collaboration we've done with uh, Magic Rock which is uh, uh, a double IPA at 7.5% mm-hmm. same as uh, so two big beers in, in big cans that's what I mean it's, it's quite amazing yeah. really isn't it's a it? big step up mm. so, so the the, the one that's collabed with Magic Rock yeah. obviously you know again it's no surprise to anyone right now that Magic Rock also stocking cans yeah, in Tesco absolutely yeah did, did you have to almost get their okay on that to say that we're going to put this beer into Tesco yeah I mean, we, I mean I've known Richard for, for, for years before I had the brewery sort of thing so we've always been very close with them really nice guys so I think what we've what we've done uh, with Tesco is we've been able to to hold other brewers' hands a little bit, and 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 we've been a point of, of of referral where they'll say, you know, go and speak to Thornbridge, see what they think to it, sort of thing. And certainly on the Magic Rock one, we were very very close to him on that. Uh, and Tesco had given us a sort of list of people they'd like us to collaborate, and Magic Rock were on there, so we were immediately drawn to that one. Mm-hmm. Sounds sounds like Tesco are quite proactive because you've mentioned a couple of times in what you've been saying in the last few minutes that. Tesco are talking to you Absolutely. not just you talking oh, yeah. to them I mean this is not the old school of, of a rep turning up at Tesco's door saying that here are my wares that I'm currently peddling would you like to buy some this has been very much driven by, by the guys at Tesco working with, with the brewers and, and probably pushing the brewers at times to see you know we, we would not have rocked up at their door with 440 people right house in and, and the, no, the big no, deal no, yeah. I'd be amazed if you'd gone that, that way round yeah, no absolutely yeah you know, so, I think it's um, I, it's, it's just it feels like a massive sea change. So yeah. then, obviously, I think the last couple of years, supermarkets like maybe Waitrose, M&S, Tesco have incrementally stepped mm. up. This feels like less of an incremental step now, rather yes. than an evolution. It almost feels yeah. like a revolution. This, yeah. this yeah. particular and occasion. It will be quite interesting to see who follows. Uh, you know, with regards to the retailers. You know, the, you know, at the moment we're not getting anyone else asking for four forty. Um, but 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 Dom uh, and Alessandra at Tesco have just been very encouraging to work mm-hmm. with, and have, have sort of have challenged us at times, yeah. and sort of said, you know, what can you do? You know, there were discussions of sour IPAs, just, you know, not not things you would normally so really think pushing about. Pushing it out so, there, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. 
So, so in terms of the relationship with Tesco, mm. obviously set to continue in, yeah. into the future. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you're looking forward in terms of what can we do next? Yeah, I mean, if you, if, if you look at it, again, we're, we're just, uh, you know, there will, there will be many people uh, in the country who can't buy Jaipur uh, in Tesco because we're only, I think, Jaipur uh, can is in something like 1,200 stores. So there's 2,500 without it. Mm-hmm. So what we've got there, but that's, that's, that's all right for us now. As we scale up, hopefully we'll, we'll pick up more. Um, and again, the other, the other beer going in is, of course, Green Mountain in a four-pack. And that comes off very good sales of Green Mountain as a single, uh, and then seeing the emergence of the four-pack market, which I think will probably double. Uh, yeah. in, in, in Tesco well it would be interesting if they put it on the same sort of price point in terms of you can buy two for nine quid I think it will be can you, yeah. can, are they going to let you buy four of Jaipur and four of Green Mountain yes, because I that's, think, that's essentially a bit of a game perfect. changer right it's a, there it's a, it's a mix and match I'm sure uh, but, but again for, for us you know, we're, we're trying to brew go-to beers it's, as, as much as the, the, the huge tale of beers that we do there our, our main aim has always been to, to make great go-to beers that people keep buying, keep buying. Mm-hmm. So a four-pack of Jaipur is perfect for us. A four-pack of Green Mountain perfect for us. Go and experiment with some of the 440s in there, do that. But actually, as beers that people don't want to be sort of thinking, I'll have that one, that one, that one, yeah. just have four of those. I think that's two good four-packs, though. Yeah. I think I mean, we're drinking the Green Mountain right now. Yeah. It's going down quite nicely. It's, going down it's down a nice sessionable strength yeah. as well. It is. I mean, Although, I, obviously, I'm a massive Jaipur lover. Mm-hmm. As no surprise to anyone here right now, it's just that bigger. It's a bit bigger. I think yeah. what you'll be able to do as of Monday is get four of those, four of those, and just blend them a bit. Just take it down to a midweek yeah. Jaipur. Sorry, blending. Blending the green you're mountain. About, <laughs> you, seriously, Simon, you're saying about blending. You're talking about watering down Jaipur. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Never do that. Um, never do so, to so come the summer, yeah. Um, obviously, you've 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 Florida Vice in cans at the moment. Yeah. We know Lucas is coming in cans as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, are we likely to see again the four packs of Florida Vice and, and, and Lucas I think, as well? I think I think a four pack of sour is a little bit more challenging for people because I think that's not the nature of how you tend to drink mm-hmm. sours. Um, certainly, Lucas is something that we would be certainly looking at come, come the summer, and I think it's probably a six pack as opposed to a four oh, pack. Oh, wow! Interesting. I mean, last last summer would have been perfect for Lucas, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, yeah, six yeah. pack of that, yeah. three thirty cans, Happy ice days. cold. Yeah, no, spot absolutely. on. So yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I see probably Jaipur, Green Mountain, and, and Lucas has been the the multi pack sort of beers, which which, which work well for us. Sort yeah. of thing. So one final question from me, mm. and this is a real personal one. Yeah. When are you going to give me Halcyon in cans? <laughs> I, I just I just want <laughs> so straight just give me straight up Halcyon in cans. None of the mango. I don't, none I don't need none of the flavors. What's I don't the, need the big cans. Yeah. I just want three thirty mils <laughs> of Halcyon. We still we we you can get three thirty mils of Halcyon. Remember. Uh, but it's in a bottle. I know. But, but is it? And, and Morrison's obviously uh, now have it there, two for four pound uh, deal. But you know, we at the moment Halcyon is, is a bottle beer. You'll see the new branding of it uh, tonight. But um, never say never. So um, it could well soon be coming to uh, a shelf near you. It's just going to okay. keep you hanging. Still. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm going to be hanging. Just... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You just you, just something else you mentioned yeah. there is is that. Um, new branding so is is because we're at the take tonight yeah. obviously to for the, for the takeover that you got here is this a launch of a new Thornbridge brand yeah, well, as well? well effectively it's taking the can branding and, and, and laying it out onto the pump clips onto the keg badges and onto the bottles as well which will happen now over the coming weeks 
So, and really, it's just a, an evolution of, of, of where we've where we've come. Uh, I spoke earlier about you know we're we're seen as godfathers of, of, of craft. You know, we're fourteen years old. That's all. But brewery years are almost like dog years, aren't we? Yeah. So it probably makes us about a hundred. Yeah. Now, so I think what we've tried to to look at is just to actually just just you know with with the, with the plethora of interesting branded cans, bottles, whatever, just have something now where we sort of have the next. 15 years to say this this is us this is the, the simplicity yeah. and elegance of Thornbridge and carry it through all, uh, all of so the, all, all the branding whether the bottles pump clips keg whatever yeah. will be what the, can, what the cans are correct now. so what you'll see tonight at, at the Tate is you'll see there are um, all the keg badges now are the, are the new branding there's also um, our guys who we work with on the branding are here to discuss how they took Flora and the old branding through through to there. So uh, yeah, no, I think so, it's, so. We've seen the end of Flora then. You for never, now, never see the end of Flora. No, I don't think I don't think Flora. <laughs> can, don't end it on a bombshell, Steve. <laughs> we just released a beer called Flora. With ben Scott. <laughs> you know, we've got to keep it going. So yeah, um, Simon, thank you very much yeah. for your time. Yeah, no, really appreciate it. So yeah, that's that, that's quite interesting. What Simon was saying there in terms of their approach to Tesco and that they're looking at it being a long-term partnership. Um, but then also about the, the the bits about the rebrand as well of Thornbridge. Yeah, and because um, I hadn't quite appreciated that that was going to be a large focus of the evening about the actual rebrand as no, well. No, no, me either. So obviously there's always going to be some sort of theme. So I thought it was a bit more about maybe um, just about, la- you know, the launch of Yalumu, Yalumu. Yalumu. Um, yeah. But we did actually start to learn about what I think has been quite a subtle rebrand. The most obvious thing is that Flora has effectively been dropped. Yeah, she's taken a step back. She's having a rest. Yeah. She's been benched, yeah. I think, to coin a sports phrase. Um, but I think, you know, it's actually it, taking Flora time, it's actually quite hard to spot what that rebrand was. But then. Um, the guys, these external consultants who do this quite a thing, was, was it called First? Uh, I'm not sure what, what um, the name of Talked us through it. And firstly, the guy who was talking through it was a very good speaker. But then when they started showing us some of the background drawings they were showing, I was I was amazed by it, to be honest. I, I was. Like, like you say, the, the whole rebrand has been very subtle and it's been it, it's very much in line with the can designs. In, in terms of bringing those designs to, to everything now, um, but yeah, like, like I say, the speaker was very very good, and it was it was a very almost in a very very emotional journey that he took us on as well in yeah. terms of telling how they had spent time at Thornbridge Hall, looking around, trying to get a feel for the place, and trying to find something that was in keeping with the brand, and essentially the the, the pattern that you see on the cans is taken from a carving on a fireplace. Yeah. In, in Thornbridge Hall that they've then expanded onto the can and and as, as they said you can't actually get anything more Thornbridge Hall than the fireplace from in the middle of the building no no but they took us through that that journey yeah. from picture of the fireplace to the sketches to then how it appears almost to be in the background because again I'm looking at uh, the, the the thing which we had given to us for what were the beers and there are some commonalities. You've got the, the bold white writing. You've got the gold uh, emblem with the T on it for Thornbridge. 
you've got sort of the ring on the outside, even on the dark beers, it's still quite bold on the outside. And then, but in the background, you've got effectively the fireplace. Yeah, and that's that's brilliant. And, and, and I think that we'll start seeing that rolling out across, yeah. obviously it's already there for the cans, but in terms of the pump clip, and it's coming on the bottles as well, isn't it? That they'll, they'll have this new design on, on them as well. So that was, yeah, we, we didn't really know that that was happening on that No, that, so that was a nice surprise. A bit of unexpected though. news there yeah. for, for, for us. Well, we, did, uh, we did speak to uh, Rob, the head brewer, briefly as well. Yes, and also James yeah. from, from the team. So it was nice to see those guys again. But I think, um, if, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because obviously we'd had a couple of dry pours by this point, um, Rob seems happier about the um, the canning experience now. I think, yeah, and I think there was an underlying theme of well, we now have our own canning line, and I can control it. Yeah, and I think I think that possibly suggests what his reservations were when we had him on on, on the PK because it, show because it was out of their year. control. Yeah, um, he definitely seemed more relaxed about it now. So um, I all I can say from personal experience is that. I'm having some fantastic beers out from their from their cans at the moment. Oh, me too. I I, I honestly, and um, I, don't, I don't care what anybody thinks, Jaipur has never tasted better than in in small pack than it does out of cans. Oh, right, I thought right, you were going to say better than cask for a minute. No, no, it never tastes better than that cask, mate. I knew you were going to say that as well. I set, set that up for you though, didn't I? You rather? did. Um, we've obviously just opened the next beer. Uh, while you're pouring that, what did you think of the final thoughts on the tuna? It's, I mean, again, I think we're actually sort of pacing ourselves because we know there's a lot to get through tonight. Um, I could have sunk that. I, I could have. I, I would have happily not shared that one yeah. with you. And, and, and you would have quite happily not me. shared the beer I bought with me. Thanks. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> I would have quite happily drunk your beer from your beer fridge. All to myself. Thank you very much. Uh, right, there's a couple more bits of news we need to get through, mate. I know we've, I know we've just poured another beer. Should we, have a, should we have a taste of this first before we do the, uh, the, the final parts of the news? Here we go. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, that's got a tart nose. Slightly different. I'll let you uh, see what you think about it while I, while I share what we've got. So this was one, again, it's a half-acre beer, but it's actually brewed in collaboration with Brussels Beer Project, which, as I mentioned about two days earlier in the podcast was um, where I visited with one of the places I visited with Clayton. Um, currently, Steve, to my left of the microphone, is pulling what can only be described as one of two things, his sour face or his belgian face. So this is a blend Belgian blonde with guava and tangerine. It's called Life Cycle. And this comes in as a 6%. So I thought while I was there and they had the cans, I, I thought, well, I like, Bel- I like Belgian beer. I like Brussels Beer Project. I like Half Acre, so I bought six of them. Okay, as you do. Um, yeah, I'm definitely getting the fruits. Um, that, that, that's what impacted on my face. Oh, okay. Um, I, I think I think the fruits are bringing a very tart edge. Bit of sharpness for you. To, to, to that. There's, um, I would almost say there's all, almost none of the, there's no belgian to it. Oh, you see, don't you think ever so slightly, and maybe the, those other elements overrid it for you, but I think very slightly at the start, you start to get some of those fruity, yeasty esters. Maybe a little bit on the roof of the mouth, just, just as you take I think at the, the, back, first, at the, the very back one. of this, I think you start to get it. Um, I, I'm struggling as to whether it's a Belgian Pale Owl or Belgian I think it's a, I, Personally, I, I think a bit like the other Belgian, the other... Belgium-inspired beers at Brussels Beer Project. It's just a sort of a, a slightly different take on it. 
Yeah. Rather than I mean, it's being... a really, don't get me wrong, it's a really interesting yeah. bit. That, that is properly interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, I shared one, I had one of these when I got home. I didn't need any more beer when I got home that evening, but I did have one. And um, I shared one with Michelle. Michelle really enjoyed it as well. So I really like it. I like that it's slightly, just slightly off centre from what my yeah. just traditional Belgian golden ale. Yeah, and I know you've, you've given me a can of this as well, so yeah. thank you for that. Um, it's going to stay in my fridge until the summer because I think on a hot day, this is going to be a perfect thirst quencher. I think, I, th- I think that tartness, that fruitiness will just make this so drinkable. I think on a hot day, if you walk back from the station or something, you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll sink You'll there. reach for this. You'll sink it, yeah. and it will do the trick. Without a doubt. So you say there's more news, Steve? There is more news. Go let's, on. Let's try and get through this. So um, in a week of very busy news, we heard the sad news that the the bottle shop was closing. So this was a week ago today, as we recalled. Um, all employees of the bottle shop were made redundant, and administrators were appointed to handle the liquidation of the business. Uh, they came very close to agreeing an offer that would have saved the business, but unfortunately it fell through at the last minute. Um, they've gone on to say that having succeeded on Crowdcube in 2017, they saw a major supplier drop us shortly afterwards and took 23% of our wholesale business with them. And then later on after that, another top three brewery dropped us with no notice last year and that didn't help their situation. So sad news indeed. It uh, is. I mean, I mean, obviously, shop. I think for both of us, uh, our bottle shop is the one down in Bermondsey yes um, but which is effectively one end of the BMR but there's a place in Margate a place in Canterbury and obviously they do have the rather large wholesale there was the wholesale side to the business as well yeah so um, obviously very sad that it's gone out of business very sad that it's affected and affecting people's livelihoods as well shame a deal couldn't be reached to save the business and save some or all of the jobs as well but I thought what I found was quite interesting was, was, was you know, some of the numbers behind it. And also, I had forgotten momentarily that they had gone down the crowdfunding route because that was the whole crowdfunding was based on the, the, the cold chain aspect of it, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, an interesting one. You know, interesting about the couple of supply people who used them, who, who dropped them, to use their phrase. Um, had a massive impact on their business. Well, we suspect, and, and I know we don't normally do, do rumours, but we, we think that that 23% was Beaver Town, don't we? Yes. Um, uh, and that, that, to be fair, has been um, mentioned by more than one source, both publicly and privately yeah. as well. And that now, that wouldn't have been necessarily Beaver Town's choice, but obviously at a stage where they had gone into business with Heineken, they've suddenly have a new distribution network as well. For yeah, I mean, you're not going... They don't need to use someone else. Yeah, uh, they'll, use, they'll they'll fall into whatever's been used by Heineken, won't they? Um, so yeah, I, but I do wonder though if if this will start will will this be a bit of a break for people on there on, on some of the crowdfunding things? Because that's two only two years ago. Well, because that's not the only one. In because in the last couple of weeks as well, we've also seen the beer boutique. Uh, brand and chain of I think two or three shops has closed. Yep. Who also crowdfunded. Yep. And We Bought Beer have also closed one of their branches in London as well. It's their Clapham site, isn't and it? They've also crowdfunded. I think I'm right in saying in that the one. I can't remember. Well. Um, so we've seen three fairly big closures, all in all London based. So yeah, all yeah. south of the river as well. That so that one of the questions is yes, is it going to be, make people more wary of investing in 
things that maybe aren't necessarily breweries or, or aren't necessarily bricks and mortar and and two are we reaching a point of saturation in London where there are just too many shops and not enough people to buy their wares yeah well I suppose if you think about it almost to a brewery now a brewery open to a tap room yeah the tap room is no longer an afterthought so they've got direct route to market from day one yeah yeah. Um, and they're open maybe a Saturday, maybe a Friday and a Saturday. Some of them are opening four or five times a week. You know, again, if, if I take the wholesale bit of the bottle shop out because I don't know enough about it, but if I look at bottle shop, beer, boutique, and we will beer, they were all places to come in and drink, weren't they? Yeah. So they weren't a brewery tap. They also weren't a pub. You also had the ability to obviously to take away when you were there. I know that usually when I went to bottle shop, I would end up buying something because very hard to resist all those fridges uh, when they were there but it's it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot in a small space in a short space of time to have gone yeah so again shift in the market maybe I reckon I reckon it is it could be a bit of a levelling out maybe there was too much I mean there were different models as well so you know I don't think beer boutique and we bought beer had sort of any sort of wholesale operation in the same league as as what Bottle Shop did um, sure they did stuff for, for, for consumers but yeah it, it, in a short space of time that's a really odd one to have happened it is and it's it's a lot of small independent yeah so again as well. you know first of all I think there's a human element there are people who've put money into these ventures whether they're the ventures they own or people who've helped fund it um, people's livelihoods are affected by this so you know that's never good to hear that's never nice to hear no one, no one wants to hear about that um but whether this will make either other places think about their model, we'll put the brake on a few people doing a bit of crowdfunding in that direction. They might think breweries have a bit more of a, a better track record. Who knows? I mean, there's no guarantees any, anyway. But yeah, hopefully there ain't going to be too many more because, you know, there are some very popular independent retailers out there that you would like to see still sticking around. But um, it's a shame. It is a shame. It is a shame. In the same week as uh, we, we lost those small independents, um, there was the announcement from the global giant that is AB InBev that they're changing their name of their UK business to Budweiser Brewing Group UK and I in a bid to reaffirm their commitment in the territories. Now, this is interesting because this is almost like they knew there was a week of big stories coming <laughs> and they chose to bury this yeah. on, on, on this week because this... The only place I saw it was the morning advertiser. It got a little bit of traction because I think this came out uh, a week ago today as we recall, so it would have come out last Monday. And, and there was a little bit of traction. There was quite a lot of cynical views about it, as, as you can imagine. Um, but after that, it, it, it just died. Yeah, but um, it's, it's, been, it's obvious why it's been done. The brand, the brand that's recognised is the name Budweiser. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so it, it coincides with them uh, relocating uh, their, their, their... So they've got a headquarters relocating into London. Um, and they've set out some brand new uh, ambitions. Ooh, um, that's very good. Brand brand new. Brand... Well, they are brand ambitions. <laughs> uh, would you like to hear the brand ambitions? Yeah, well, let's hear the brand ambitions. Okay, so number one. To champion Britain's iconic beer culture with trade-boosting programmes for the whole community... From barley farmers to pubs and retail. Okay. 
Number two, to create a nation of smart drinkers, helping to shift social norms to embrace moderation and cut harmful drinking. Okay. Number three, be the UK's most sustainable brewer as it works towards brewing with renewable electricity and locally sourced barley. Number four, be one of the best places to work, promoting apprenticeships, development and diversity. And number five, to bring more people together with great beers for every occasion by continuing to to invest in premium drinks and powerful brands. Although it's a new name, the company will, company will remain part of AB InBev globally, um, but they think that the um, new kind of more local name will make it more recognisable, which is what, I, what you said. Now, interestingly, I think it's, it, among those ambitions, the one thing that stands out for, for me is that they're actually going to produce any good beer. I assume they're talking about the people that bought. Yeah. So I'm, I'm more thinking about uh, some beers from um, either Camden or Goose or Island. Or Goose. Because, you know, I think most of us can agree that there isn't many occasions where I will reach for a Budweiser. But as a branding exercise, then... And also, UK is one of the countries where Budweiser won out, isn't it? Because mm. Budvar, it's Budvar over here for the Czech... So for the Budavicho original, it's Budvar over here. So yeah. Budweiser has the Budweiser name. You might as well use it because that's what people know it as. So, I mean, that's just... But again, it's just the umbrella for the other brands which come under the UK. You know, loads of companies have plenty of those ideals. Nothing particularly wrong with them anyway. But definitely a few of them will get a few cynical... Yeah, and it, like I say, th- there was a bit of cynicism around it when that was first released, but it died very, very quickly when well, yeah. Domo Beers started posting pictures of what beers were going to be available in Tesco <laughs> yeah. from, from a week after that announcement. And then the news just carried on after that. Yeah. Um, and so the last piece of, of news, and yes, we are finally at the last piece of news, folks. Uh, this was one that came up on Facebook and I, I picked up on. So this was from Lervig, who, as we know, are they're actually based in Norway. As, as, as a business um, and this is a really interesting post so um, basically what they said was and, and I'm going I'm to read this word so for word so this is a post from Lervig from Lervig on their Facebook page ok because I don't know anything about this ok so I'm, I'm going to read this word for word because I think it's quite important to understand the context so dear all Lervigians as a consequence of the Norwegian alcohol politics and the laws against communicating as a producer on any social media platform, we regret to inform you that going forward we must block all Norwegian IP addresses from being able to follow our accounts. This is a drastic step in reaction to the extreme fines proposed by the Norwegian authorities which would be very damaging to our business if imposed. We can't or won't continue to be an international band brand without being able to communi- communicate to and with our fans. Therefore, rather than stopping our social media presence altogether, we are now forced to take this drastic step. This hurts us and we feel like many Norwegian regulations belong in another time. We are truly sorry that the people, only people affected by this are the people in, in our own home market, Norway. The change will have effect from 9pm tonight. And then they go and say that the law text can be found here, but it's only in Norwegian. So I'm not going to include a link to that um, because you won't be able to read it. But that was released on the 19th of March. So basically, they've, they've, because of their own country's laws, they've had to block their home country drinkers from seeing any of their social media So sites. the only way home country drinkers can see it is when they're either roaming or they, they're using one of those VPNs. Yes. Which bounce off elsewhere. In this day and age, that's astounding, isn't it? I thought that the whole thing in Ireland with the not letting breweries open their own tap rooms and they had to 
apply for special event licenses with Draconian. It's making them seem positively forward-looking. That's ridiculous. So basically what they're saying is that social media is causing part of any ills that they perceive to have about alcohol consumption, aren't they? Yeah. Because the Nordics do have a bit of a weird relationship with alcohol, don't they? I mean, they do attribute uh, some, I think, male suicide rates to, to it. And I would say, I mean, if that's true, then yes, you want to take action. But that, to use their word, does seem like a draconian route to take. Yeah. I mean, is that truly going to stop people? Well, I, th- I think, because um, Steve's mentioned it a few times on Stephen Rowland's Beer podcast about the Swedish laws in terms of all of the beer is sold through the state via the state supermarket. Oh, yeah, or isn't it under a certain percentage you can do it in yeah. the supermarkets, the rest of them are basically in state-approved or state-owned, effectively, off-licenses or box yeah. shops. So there is a... You know, and they charge, but they charge a lot of money. I mean, you've you've been to to Denmark. I mean, they don't charge. They there's high taxes on these drinks Denmark's already. Denmark's a really expensive place to drink. So they've already the the Nordic countries, Scandi countries, whichever phrase you want to use, already charge quite a lot mm-hmm. in tax. I mean, they're one of the few countries, I suppose, which actually has a higher tax rate than us in the UK. But yeah, that's astonishing. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't suppose Lovik had much choice really. No, I just, I just find it a really strange step. That because, I mean, you, when you go onto a beer Twitter account and then you go to the link, it'll say, oh, your age, are you over 18, are you over 21, or are you of legal drinking age in the country you're in? So I suppose they can't even do the option, are you Norwegian? Press no. Yeah. <laughs> and you say, you know, because I presume that everyone would just go no anyway. But yeah, well, blimey. Be interesting to know if that if they feel an impact to that further down the line in six or 12 months. Well, I'm not sure we've got any Norwegian listeners, but if we do, yeah. um, let us know your thoughts on that one. Yeah. Um, Un- unlike Riverman Brews, we're unable to track exactly where our mass followership is. I know, I know, and you know, that, but good luck to them for being able to track it back to Luxembourg and Japan. Indeed, yes. And to be, what, 40, 43rd in the charts in Luxembourg? Yeah. Amazing. Not everyone can say. Not everyone can say that. Yeah. Um, So that finally brings us on to to this week's opinions. 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 This was a question from Paul at UNRCD. Again. Again. Oh yeah, we mentioned them loads of times, yeah. didn't we? So, uh, what makes you buy from a brewery for the first time? Hype, beer style, branding, or other? So, 776 votes, good number of votes. Uh, thanks to every single person who, who voted. Um, 43% of the votes go into beer style, 24% to other, we'll come on to some of those. 18% to hype, and only 15% to branding. Now, as always, we had a load of comments. For, for, for this and we're not going to be able to cover them all but we are really grateful to everybody that takes the time to input into the polls and if you do want to read all of the comments there's always a link in the show notes to the, to the opinions question you can click on that it will take you to the question on our Twitter feed and if you so desire you can read all of the answers yourself first up from Anthony Casey at Anthony underscore Casey cracking question all those things matter presentation is in general hugely important locality is a good one if they're local they're going to get a chance even if I'm on holiday lack of choice wanting something new 
Price, high, brackets, must be good, low, a bit of a worry punt. So um, thanks, Anthony, for, for the, 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 the feedback on the question. Uh, Paul will be very happy to hear that it was a cracking question. It was one that we certainly looked at and said, you know what, this goes with these beers that we're doing tonight well, it definitely goes, as, definitely, as well. It definitely goes with these beers for us. Yeah. Um, so it's probably only fair to, to let Paul have his comment up, up front. <laughs> um, so Paul at UNRCD, I went for hype, which to me includes recommendations from friends and people I trust. Branding is also important and a nice looking can could persuade me to try it. Beer style is likely to put me off, especially if they are influenced by styles I don't enjoy. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, Paul's very much um, definitely not a, a love of dark beers, is he? No, he's not the so biggest fan. Even when there's been a lot of recommendations, like Heimlich's going, but is it dark? Does it taste dark? That kind of thing. Then yeah. that, that would put him off. And not dissimilar to us with a certain beer style, what we've mentioned before, to, to say the same thing. Um, but yeah, while we're speaking about um, hype, one of the reasons why Half A fits into this for us was because there was a bit of hype. Before I pull out the beer that created that hype for you and I, what, what your final thoughts on the life cycle? D- despite my first uh, facial reaction to it, um, I really enjoyed that. The the, the fruitiness um, really balances out in it. it. It's got a sweet finish. There's there's a hint of bitterness in there, uh, a little bit of softness. There is that the, there's that sweetness coming through on the finish that you tend to get from more of the Belgian styles. Um, like I say, I just think that. I'm, I'm looking forward to keeping that can in my fridge until we get the really hot summer that hopefully is on its way. I was hoping you'd say something like that because I thought you would, that initial hit, but I think once you start to drink it, you get there's a whole load of balance to that. I, I think the initial hit was possibly because it was such a departure from the one before it. There's a big difference of tuna. Yeah. Definitely a big difference of tuna. So I have got Daisy Cutter Pale Owl out of the fridge. Nice and cold. This is their pale ale. I would say this is their signature. This is their flagship beer, isn't it? Pale ale. And in answer to the question, I went for hype. And one of the reasons I went for hype is because a bit like Paul, often hype for me includes recommendations from friends and people I trust. On this one, it was just hype. I don't think it was from anyone, but I really knew. And I'm, I'm so glad I went for it because... It then opened the door to some of the other releases that then started appearing. There was a series of IPAs which were simply stunning. And then there was a double IPA as well that appeared last year, which was absolutely incredible. Well, Half Acre got my best overseas beer, my best overseas yeah. brewery last year. Yeah. When we did our gold. I mean, look at the colour of that. That looks wonderful. It's, I mean, it's everything you want from this nice, sort of style, isn't it? Nice golden, sunny yellow colour. Lovely carbonation. Um, so for me... Is it me or does there seem to be more coming out of this can than out of the previous ones? Yeah, I think there is. That's <laughs> it's, it's really weird. I mean, it's the same size. It's the same size, but they've just packed more liquid. Cheers. Cheers. I'm, I'm really... I've got to get into this one. Oh, it's just so good. Oh, it's just that nice... There's a nice bit of hit up front as well, isn't there? The balance on that beer is perfect from, from beginning to end. Like I say, you get bitterness at the front, you get bitterness in the middle, and you get bitterness at the end. Wrapped around that is there's there's lemon, there's a little bit of orange in there. It's just so drinkable. Yeah, it's brilliantly drinkable. So drinkable. Um, so yeah, moving on with some of the comments while we just enjoyed this beer, which probably won't take too long, to be honest. Um, wow, that's a tough one. 
Hype is always tempting, recommended is better, but I'm a sucker for style, make the right kind of beer, and I'll more than happily give it a go. And that's from uh, Kerry Jones at Saison. Oh, I like the way you've read that. Yeah. Yeah, I would not have read it like that. So that's... Uh, I would have old gone for Says John. Ah, oh, Saison. Oh, that's okay. what it, I reckon yeah, that's yeah. what it says. So that's... Sure, Kerry will tell us if, C- if they're listening. C-E-Z-J-O-N. And if it doesn't, I think that sounds really good. Yeah. And uh, from Will Watkins at Dry Your Beers, I would love to say something more sophisticated than hype, but ultimately I still can't resist the FOMO effect if everyone is raving. There's still something special about getting hold of that beer or something by that brewery. Which you know, I, I agree with that. There is still something about it. I know we've spoke about FOMO and no FOMO in the past and stuff, but there are still certain beers. Um, but I would also go back to Saison's uh, last comment about the kind of beer... Because we've got quite excited over the last three or four months because West Coast IPAs have returned. May not be quite all in the same ballpark as what we knew them to be maybe five years ago. But that style has definitely seemed to be popularised again by some key breweries. And we've bought them. We have. I've not always been impressed with them, though. No, there's been one or two years. Because I, I keep finding a sugary sweetness at the end of them from... The, the, the producers that are known for juice, basically, and I, I don't. I, I, I am, it's great that they're doing West Coast styles, but I, I still want a West Coast style. I don't want that sweetness in True, the end. But we still bought them. We still bought them. And we bought them on what would be considered to be hype, I would say, because it's on style, and it's from breweries who, even if we don't always agree with the style they produce, they're considered very good breweries. Yep. The only ones that have done it for me, that, that truly nailed it, were when Cloudwater released those two um, towards the tail end of last year. They released two West Coast IPAs, which were stunning. Which ones are those ones? Not the, J, not the JPA. It was that one and there was another one. Yeah, I know the ones you mean. Yeah. That, they had none of that residual sweetness. It was no? bitter, bitter, bitter. Agree, but the JPA was done as a collaboration with uh, an American brewer's well renowned for doing yeah for doing that, that. the other one was done with them as well yeah for doing that kind of beer yeah. weren't they it's interesting that Magic Rock have just uh, announced that they're releasing a beer with that same brewery in big 500 mil cans uh, a west coast parallel which I'm looking forward to getting my hands on I mean just goes well. I mean because I knew nothing about that brewery I think it just goes to show the reputation of that particular yeah. brewery and Cloudwater on that podcast said they learned a hell of a lot about that kind of style as well about how to try and nail it yeah um Moving in, digging into a few more of the comments. So from Martin Griffin at Martin the Monkey. Not necessarily hype, but they're doing interesting things with a style I like when I'm likely to be interested. Also, they're doing something unusual. Also, if a brewery is well regarded every period of time, hype, hype is short-term excitement, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose. Yeah. I'll generally, there's a few breweries which if they bring something out, I will probably go... Yeah, I'll have a bite straight away or get someone to pick one up for me or something like that, mm-hmm. almost regardless. So you can have brewery hype as well as beer hype, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. And lending itself to what we were saying as well, James at James Moosh. Um, hype, as far as I rarely try a new brewery, if I haven't heard of them doing good things. It's more likely recommendations, though. Mm. And, and that kept that was a theme that kept coming up again and again and again. Uh, Dr. Goggles at Burn Unjow. Uh, voted hype but really it's a case of not had one of their beers before so I want to try them if I heard good things about them from friends or the internet it will pique my interest and make me seek them out so hype I guess 
And then finally, drinking craft at Ho- Hoppy Tweets. Hype is the last thing for me now. Didn't really expand on that. But no, anti-hype. Anti-hype. So th- th- those were the comments that were around the hype votes. Yeah. Uh, then had uh, a couple of comments around the brand inside of things. So from Chicken Dipper at Salandagram, who's always a regular contributor these days. Yeah, very much so. Might very be much creeping so. into the... Uh, well, the into, into the running. Maybe. So, I mean, it's it's consistent contribution. Yeah, good contribution. Well, this is a good comment. Yeah. Um, I voted branding. I guess I think if a brewery has spent time and effort on their branding, then the same will be true for the beer. Obviously, this is not always the case, and there will be disappointments. I suppose the reality is it's a combination of many things, and almost the flip side of that from Matt Jeffs at Nimbus. Very good flip side. If the branding is shit, it's a good indication that the beer is shit too. As a guide, not a rule. Because there'll always be exceptions. Yeah. And, you know, I think the theme of branding and art is one which we'll be revisiting and touching upon over over coming shows anyway. We have a big show planned for that, yeah. So, I think, but it's, it's an interesting point to remember that one, actually. Interesting point to remember that one. Interesting conversation we had with a couple of people at the judging who some of them act- actively trying to avoid the excessively good branding and try to find out just about the beer. Mm. So they'll start with that, that as a starting yeah. point. But they did admit that good branding, in especially in fridges, on tins, sold. Yeah, it's that judging a book by its cover, isn't it? It sold. Thing. Yeah. And ultimately, they're in the market of selling beer, aren't they? They are indeed. Uh, a couple of comments on beer style. So John Edwards at John Edwards 7175. Style always wins for me. If I want a particular kind of craft beer, I'll find it. And then Mark Johnson at Mark N. Johnson. I went for beer style. If I see the word smoked or barley wine on a bottle, I'll tend to buy instantly regardless of who brewed it. If I went off reputation or recommendations on social media, I'd only try about 30 or 40 different breweries in the world. That's, that's a great comment. Yeah. Although, I think if you saw the word smoked, Steve, it had the entirely it opposite effect. Put me off. Yeah. Barley but, wine, not so much. No, but it's, again, <laughs> I mean, can't, can't you, so you go for a beer star, but I guess that's where, for you and I, or definitely for me, my hype or hype or, it crosses different, different things because I don't need to know much about the beer star, but if it's a beer star I like, I might still buy it. Like when Marble did a few of their West Coasts at the back end of last year, mm. didn't they? I bought those because I trust Marble and it was a style that one of my favourite styles. Apart from that, I didn't know much about them. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting point you make there because that's that's something that didn't really come up was your trust in a brewery. So I suppose if, you if, if you trust a brewery, if you know a brewery is good and they're going to produce good beers every time after time after time, Marble's a great example because they are constantly churning out beers of all styles that are consistently good. Yes, and on point for the start. Yeah. I mean, I guess we didn't give it as an option, so unless people thought to put it in an other, but definitely for me, I can get hyped about a brewery if I think they're bringing out something and it's a brewery that I know, trust and like. Um, And I probably don't even need a recommendation at that point. It'll just be, Marble is an excellent example. They're bringing out a new beer, it's in the style of like, I'll just say, okay, I'll have a couple of those, please. Don't need to know anything else about it. Mm. Because at the moment, they've earned my trust. Yeah. If I did it a couple of times and it started to wane, I'd go, uh, okay, maybe I'll wait to find out what the next one's like. But 
Well, if you've earned it, fine. Yeah. So that brings us on to others, then I suppose. So that's, you know, we've done the other. Um, so from Sat at Satis, I like to try new breweries without the influence. It's almost the opposite of what I just said. It's quite quite to the point, though, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's a nice counterpoint to what you said yeah. as well. I mean, there are a lot of people, and uh, this this isn't any slight on Satis at all, but there are a lot of people that just like to tick. And they want to tick new beers, they want to tick new breweries, they want to try as much and as many different beers as possible. And, you know, good on you if that's your mm. thing. I mean, ironically, I think I'm not because, well, by the end of the evening, there isn't a beer I haven't had tonight. So tonight, regardless, is all beers I've had before. And yet when I look at my unique checking can, it's actually quite high <laughs> yeah. on untapped. Very strange. Um, now, if you want uh, a succinct answer to a question... <laughs> any question then speak to graham c at graham underscore c he came back with us to say consistency can't argue with him though can no, you that, that that was it so under other that was his answer um then we had a few which sort of um i suppose came in that came in the same ballpark yeah um the more i think about this the more location is key if i'm in a new city the first thing i'll do is research the local bre- the best breweries I'm then less likely to be swayed by hype or style than the fact it's local. And this was uh, from Will Watkins at Dry Your Beers um, and Aragorn, all yep. above the Crispy Boy Express at Agas Bills. Agas Balls. Agas Balls. Yeah. Um, oh, Agas Balls. Wasn't Aragorn from Lord of the Rings? Does sound familiar. Definitely sounds familiar. Agas Balls, one of his. Uh, I mean, Daniel Agger played for Liverpool. Always curious about how some people do come up with their names, their mm. Twitter handles. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's actually quite good. I mean, someone there was something about that before someone put that down about local beer styles. I mean, start with breweries and you know, going back to the news earlier. You know, do you lose the opportunity in some places to find the local beers if if the the big boy owns places are taking over more mm. tap space? You probably lose. The chance to find some local beers. But you've you've been to the states quite regularly in the last couple of years, yeah. haven't you? And your your starting point for going on those trips in terms of beer is you go to Untapped, don't you? And you you, you do a search on Untapped yeah. in terms of where are the breweries local to this space. What I would say is definitely noticed it in Arizona. Every bar we went into had an Arizona beer, brewed beer. Um, so that I was I was massively massively impressed with that I have to admit in Boston I think because you have got off I mean obviously you take out I think Trillium was really only in, in the Trillium bar but that's probably because they actually don't need to put it anywhere, anywhere else they were selling so much of it there um, but you know if you didn't go to a craft bar then obviously Samuel Adams Boston Lager was in everywhere mm. anyway Definitely in Arizona, they definitely had loads of local beers. But yeah, I, I, I will look for them, but I don't know where it may be in some places it's getting harder. Yeah, possibly. So Chris Coppin at Coppinions. I love that. Coppinions. <laughs> I, I love that. That's brilliant. Uh, for me, it's got to be recommendations, more often than not from beery friends. But if I'm out, I might ask for recommendations from the bar staff. 
There's many beers I've tried after listening to this show. Probably why he's got the opinions. <laughs> Hashtag uh, Cheshire Brewhouse, for example. So, and it wasn't just Chris that said that about recommendations. There was a load of people that said this. So, friends of the show, Miles Lambert, Julia Chanda, Patrick Fox, and Sean O'Reilly, all mentioned the same thing. Also, Granddad Greg, SE18 Craft Beer Lovers, Chris Elston, Mark, and Mark at Million Bevs, and Matt, Matt Curtis as well at Total Curtis all saying the same sort of thing about for them it's about recommendations I think the only thing with recommendations it depends who's recommending it because there are certain beer styles which people do love so if we go back to say to uh, Mark Johnson's one earlier um, he might recommend he might recommend a smoked barley wine which for some people really isn't going to be their bag but they may they will think it's the best beer and quite rightly if it's, if, if it's something they really enjoy um, I will bang on about shit but it's definitely not for everyone's taste no in, in any of its dispense methods perhaps so I think there is definitely an element of, of uh, subjectivity when you're getting recommendations some of that trust in there again though isn't there as well yeah but it's, it's also trust in though you know so if if for example as people have noticed before apart apart from a few bits and we have different tolerances on certain things a lot of our beery tastes are in a similar ballpark so if you said that you've had this you know stunning pale ale from a particular brewery and stuff i probably would trust that if you said i had this beer and it was just way too belgian you shouldn't have it i would probably then go and buy it probably go and find it because yeah. <laughs> it's what you want yeah, yeah. <laughs> same with the sour and tart ones and it's equally i wouldn't bother recommending those to you either so i think you have to know who's sometimes who's recommending it because very few of us like all the styles or the iterations of all the styles mm-hmm. and you know Boxshare tomorrow is a perfect example. There will be maybe a dozen to 15 of us. We've all brought either a beer that we know we already like or a beer that we hope everyone else will like. And you can usually guarantee that there's going to be about half a dozen of those beers which we all don't like. We, there's a few of us that go, oh, that's not for me. Mm. Whereas someone else at the other end of the table has thought it's the best thing since last bread. So recommendations, I think, work, work both ways. It's almost knowing who those recommendations sort of come from as well. Yep. Um, Richard Taylor at Rich Taylor 1608 Several different things influence my buying, social media, news and reviews, reps and talking to beer fans. The problem is so many brewers, so little time. And then finally from Mark at Kelfired, my social media platforms are all pretty much saturated with beer, so it's rare I don't get a heads up about an exciting new brewery. Sadly, this also feeds into the FOMO aspect, so it can be a double-edged sword. <laughs> nice comment to finish on. Yeah. Um, I mean, great comments from, from everyone yeah. th- this week. Obviously, and again, thanks to everyone who does comment, because it does, it's a brilliant bit of the show, and especially sometimes on a Monday, I don't get a chance to go through everything, because work's just a bit crazy. And you start reading through these comments, and people have really thought about what they say. You know, even Graham C., he thought about that word consistency. Yeah. People do spend a bit of time with these as well, and it's such a variety of opinion again. And, and it always is. And keep those comments coming. Use the hashtag opinions, and you may very well find yourself in this next section of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. We've finished the daisy cutter before we get into well, this. Well, I have. Well, you have, because I was talking. You were. You were, you were um, doing the talking. Well, then you can lead with your final thoughts on it. Oh, still, Emma, it's, it's definitely, although I've, that wasn't the beer that got my beer of the year for the overseas brewery, it's 
for me it's their it's their flagship it's their smashable beer it's the beer I would go it's the beer that I might buy two, two three four of them you know and also 5.2% as well is there a really nice really number there it? really drinkable that's it it's, it's almost a chain beer uh, yeah I had Trina as a bus repla- as a rail replacement bus service beer once <laughs> brilliant Good. and it Please tell me you hashtagged it as, as such. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. I, I did. I did a bus for a rail replacement bus beer. <laughs> I'm a, I was a rail replacement bus wanker at that point. Yeah. Um, and um, because the service is so long, even a, even a one pint can didn't last for me. Uh, I, I don't imagine it did last um, very long. But yeah, Daisy Cutter is the beer which brought Half Acre to my attention. And I have to admit... I've always had a bit of an inkling to go to Chicago, and it turns out Michelle has as well. Um, and I definitely want to go to Chicago now, and I would definitely be heading towards the Half Acre Tavern. I'm, I'm sure you will. That and would, on that day, I will be blocking you, not just muting you. I'll be blocking proper, you. It'll be proper full-on block. Yeah, yeah. Report, report to Twitter. <laughs> um, so you're pouring our final beer of the evening, which is. Well, Basically, double daisy cutter. Double daisy cutter. So it's double daisy cutter capra. It's a double pale ale. I don't know if it's quite double in the uh, ABVs. Eight percent. So it's about it's another three percent on top. Yeah. Oh, that's always a nice sound. It's, isn't it? it's looking good as well. I mean, it's almost well. It's exactly the same colour as the yeah, daisy cutter was. Oh, smell the aroma. It's kind of that orangey sort of colour to it it's got a punchy aroma though yeah well I've not got to the aroma yet I'm still quite a bit away from the glass no I could smell it I was just, pouring just it just waiting for you to finish there you go nice white head in there right ready to dig into the last oh, bit yeah. dankness on that for me cheers oh that is that is dank and resinous oh, isn't it yeah it's takes it up a step it's a bit thicker it's a bit more body in there a bit, bit fruitier bit fruitier a little bit of pine like I say a lot of resinous going on in there I'd say the bitterness has come down a bit as well maybe orange and lemon oils rather than yeah. it's got the, the actual flavour actually oily quality hasn't it yeah Oh, but finishes look perfectly balanced on, on the back there can I do my can I do a little bit of bitter in English well, you, well yes you can um, this isn't scheduled in the notes I know I know um, so I would just like to say hello to Lee Garner who um, stopped us in the queue at the Tate Modern Tap Takeovers. We were we were queuing up to go in, and um, asked us if we were the beer o'clock show. We nervously turned around and wondered whether that was the point where we should deny all knowledge. Um, unfortunately, he had heard us speak already, so he was fairly confident about that. And um, we also got to spend time with him and his friend David Sayers. So hi to both of you. Hello. Um, we spent you know apart from when we were doing a couple of interviews and listening to the the bit about the rebranding. We spent a good part of the evening with them, actually. We did indeed, And um, very good company they were, too. So thank you, Lee, for um, tapping us on the shoulder and, and saying hello. Brilliant. It's always, it's always nice to meet people in, in the flesh. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, I'm not sure he, he does listen to the show, but it's not really on social media. So I definitely wanted to give him a little bit of a shout-out. Excellent. On well, it appears that people loved the Black IPA show, mate. Yeah. Because we've got lots of feedback about it. <laughs> Haven't we just? So let's let's get through this. So first up from Hopzine. Uh, so this is Robert Hopzine. Uh, I really liked the Cloudwater and White Hag Black IPA. I found it to be pretty bang on for the style. Bipper, 
deeper, neeper, those will make you shudder. <laughs> yeah, with you on that, Rob, I have to say. Now, this is the beer that you and I had... V- That's coming. Okay. We'll get to that. Because we'll, we've had quite a few bits of feedback about that particular beer. So, Will Watkins at Dry Your Beers. Great listen. Had the Cloud Water and White Whitehead collab the other week, and it was the first time I've really enjoyed the Black IPA style. Need to look me up some more of the others you tried in the show, in a sharing can, of course. And then on um, Instagram, Son of a Gun, um, who hasn't really got involved in the show much since we stopped doing the prize is prize because he's, he's very much lives on instagram had posted a picture on it and he also translated the um not just for us but translated the name of the beer which we couldn't pronounce yeah on, on the last show and apparently it, it, it translates as friends before borders i like that and he did also go on to say if you can't work out that what that means then you're a bit of a dick <laughs> <laughs> Um, and in then, true son of a gun fashion <laughs> yeah and then finally on that one I, I did try the other can that I had in the fridge okay uh, at home so I tried a whole can to myself and I still didn't get on with it and I still didn't get any of the flavours that, that you got in it and I put that on untapped and somebody came back to me on untapped and said I got all the red fruit flavours <laughs> so I don't know what it is I've never had with you a more divisive beer where we've been so opposite on our views on it if it had been a different can but we shared the same can and we got completely different flavors from it yeah i i I got loads of those those dark and red fruit flavors and i got the balance between that and the dark side as well i thought it was a a really well made beer and presented lots of different aspects of the style no you're just you're mad (laughs) as is as is everyone else (laughs) apparently it's me (laughs) Clearly, it is simply just me with this beer that Strange, I'm not yeah. getting those flavours. It's strange that you, you then tried it separately as well, so yeah. I still, still won't get any of that. Yeah. Strange one, that. Uh, Rob's Beer Odyssey, at Rob's Beer Odyssey, another cracking show. Got to try the North Riding uh, Elusive Brew at Salford Beer Fest last year. Was my highlight of the day, but controversially for a stout, I thought it was better on keg. Well, I don't uh, say controversially. I mean, we had... Um, Oh, not a stout, but it's porter. But we had railway porter on keg last Thursday before we got to the Tate Modern. <sighs> How good was that, that tasting? Was incredible. And although I am a big lover of railway porter on cask, I'm not sure I could say one was better than the other. And it was a bit of a warm day on Thursday as well, and that was on. Like, so it, was, it was perfect. It was bang on. That it was, was. so. Perfect. Yeah, I can. I know why you're saying it, Rob, but. There are some which definitely work, especially yeah. that little bit of a chill factor you get to it, and then it starts to warm up and all those flavours come through. Yeah, it's just brilliant. Uh, Kat Sewell at Katrina's, going for a walk from Peckham to East Dulwich, Herne Hill on a Sunday. After listening to Beer O'Clock Show podcast, I'm now hankering for a black IPA. Can't do that walk without popping into Hot Burns and Black. Have you got any in? I hope they did. I hope they did. I, did. I think she did manage to find one on that day. Sheffield Hopcast at Chef Hopcast. One minute in, I'm right at home. Still City Brew and Rutland Arms getting a mention. P.S. with you all the way on the return of the black IPA. And that was from Adam at the Sheffield Hopcast. So, um... That beer must have been brewed with Steel City and Rutland Arms because it was Cape, wasn't it? Yeah. And we and I said I think that I'd heard that somewhere. That still that's that what the, still that mythical pub in Sheffield, which we yeah, which we don't remember being in. 
And then Chili Beard at Chili Beard. This is from Max. Max is a he's a member of the, the Essex Bowl yeah, show that we've a, mentioned a few times. Definitely, uh, definitely a, a budding home brewer as well. Yeah, uh, really enjoyed the Black IPA comeback episode, but was moment, momentarily disappointed that Back in Black wasn't the outro. It was so close, Max. It really <laughs> was. Uh, this passed when I heard Steve's mad mashup skills. Great show, guys. A Black IPA coming to a bottle share near you soon. Mm, cool. Cannot wait. Look, look forward to that. Yeah. And then we had some feedback on this because right as we recorded that last show, Miles dropped a question uh, about um, what's the first Black IPA you remember having that knocked your socks off, um, which people were responding to as we were recording. Yeah, so there, there was a lot of lights coming on the phone. I've kind of res- re- compiled all of those responses into a handy guide. <laughs> um, so we had... 17 plus different suggestions from people uh, about the first black IPA that I had that blew the socks away, which is quite a number, really, considering we, we, we it's quite an, a niche style. We answered it on the evening, didn't we? Yeah, we, you and I did. Yeah. So, so this is from others. So Justin Mason at 1970s boy, it was probably either Beaver Town, Black Betty, or Magic Rock, Magic 8 Ball. Get in, bring it back. <laughs> I can remember where I was when I first had them, which says something about both of them, I guess. Now, they're two beers that, yes, I have obviously clearly enjoyed in, in, in my time. Oh, I still enjoy Black Betty. Yeah, I do. Well, I'd still enjoy Magic 8 Ball if they just if they bring it out again. again. Yeah. Um, lots of comments. Uh, so lots of people saying both of those, Beavertown, Black Betty and Magic Rock, Magic, Magic Rock. Magic 8-Ball. The other one that came up with was Otley Bruco Oxymoron, which is a lot of people mentioned that. And yeah, and that one I've come across. No, no, but I'm curious about it. I am. And then just to finish off this little segment, um, Mick Porter at Mick underscore Porter, appropriate name, I guess. Uh, Colonel have almost ruined India Porter style for me as nothing else gets close to it. <laughs> they, they, they do do it well. Yeah. They do do it well. Yeah, uh, I, I would say uh, Mick. If you want to get one that's quite close to it, I would say the uh, the beer with North, from North Riding. Absolutely, that would be the closest one I've tasted, which comes under that particular bracket. Which on the we really loved on the yes, last show. We definitely really enjoyed that. So yeah, oh, blimey, thanks for all that feedback on that. I know, but we did have feedback on some other bits. Yes, as, there was, as well. So it wasn't just about Black Eyed. No, there was there was some feedback on your uh, your trip, Steve. There was. So Chris O'Malley at Omulus. Now Chris is the uh, he's Doctor Hop. Yes. So the guy that I mentioned. In he the has last a real show. name. Yeah. Uh, we're truly spoiled up here with bars like the Free Trade Inn and Town Mouse. Glad you enjoyed the trip. It was nice to meet you. Sure, that'll be the last time. I'm sure it won't, Chris. I will return, make a triumphant return to Newcastle one day, and uh, hopefully get out of the Free Trade Inn earlier than last time. We don't get trapped again, or, or maybe just stay there for the day. <laughs> Uh, Stephen O'Kane at Socrates Socrates 9 really 750ml on beer the reason most people think a beer in that size is for one person is that most non-obsessives probably can only see Hogarden on that size few of us drink a 750ml Imperial Stouts by ourselves actually few of us drink 750ml alone that's a good point I mean it is different for people Um, but I need to go back why did you correct yourself when you said Socrates because I then read it as sock rate ease. Uh, I'll just say Socrates. I mean, Socrates had the number nine shirt, didn't he? He did, but it wasn't spelt like that. Yeah, I know, but it's probably uh, a play uh, on words for the spelling. But uh, I think and, and the word rate uh, clearly stands out for me. In there. Yeah, I think you should have stuck with Socrates. I'm, I'm sure Stephen will correct us. It's probably neither. Yeah. If I'm, we, if, I'm, based on our previous track record, 
He'll, he'll let us know. It's going to be neither. The, the man has got a comment in Bitter and Linganess. He clearly listens yeah. to the show, so he'll let us know. I quite, I, I, I quite like the comment, though. I mean, um, I mean, I've drunk, I have drunk 750s alone. It's just a rarity. So have I, but I, I must admit, I've started getting to a point where I'm starting to look at them and think, I don't know if I can do that on my own. See, I have the automatic, most 750s of mine are now longer. No, Drinking on my own is no longer an option. Yeah. You know, once you move it, once I've moved in with Michelle and I've engaged to her and we're getting married, the apparently the whole sharing thing does go all the way to my 750 stash. Even the ones before we met. Hmm. I know, I didn't work on that prenuptial, did I? That, that could be a opinions question all of its own. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so uh, we also had from um, Simon Webster at Bees underscore boy. Enjoying your latest podcast at Beer O'Clock Show while sipping two excellent beers in Craft Beer Corner in Cologne, uh, which I have been to. No, no, you had a bit of a to and throw with Simon after this, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I gave him some other tips. Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, if, you're, if you're popping to here, then pop into here. So yeah, and I think actually there was someone else then who said, anyone got any other tips with Cologne? But most of the other ones that I would have recommended had been, had been covered off. Um, but yeah, thank you very much, Simon. Don't often hear from you. Yeah, it's great to get new people getting yeah. involved. And then finally on um, this week's Bitter in Linganess, uh, Luan Brew at Luan Brew, meant to say thank you for acknowledging my comment on the show. Perhaps the wording was a bit strong. It was the recurring anti-coconut sentiment that had hurt me. Hashtag love the coconut, <laughs> which I responded to on Twitter with, I still hate coconut. I think you said we. We still hate coconut, yeah. <laughs> you spoke for me, rightly, <laughs> as it turned out. But no, we're always, um, no, we didn't think it was too strong. And we're always happy to um, acknowledge where we don't always agree with other people on their loves. Absolutely. And if we do ever cross that line and you feel like you've been offended. Tell us. Tell us. Please tell us. Our DMs are open. Talk to us. Uh, obviously, continue to use the hashtag opinions and, and we will find your comments and include you in the show. Just a small part to go. So we've just got some questions to go tonight, mate. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, I didn't look at these. Okay. Well, this, oh. should, this, this will be fun then. Oh, no. Right. Carry on drinking beer. Carry on. <laughs> questions, questions, fill my head. First up, Sean O'Reilly at Uncrulia. There were a lot of comments and opinions about the Portman Group package size rules being bad for consumer choice. When was the last time you had a choice between a 330 or a 440 meal can? That choice is usually made for us by breweries. I, pres- I presume you mean the same beer in a 330 or 440. Yeah. I have i don't think I've ever had that choice. We do in macros. You can buy a 330 Heineken or a 440. You, can't yeah, you? Yeah, but not for... Um, yeah, yeah, you used to be able to buy the you stubbies. Stubbies of, and, the, and the bigger cans. Yeah. Um, but if we're talking about the kind of beers which we're usually uh, thinking of with around this show or people who listen to the show, then no, sizes are chosen for us. Yeah. We're not given that choice at, at, at consumer level. No. The, the brewery has already decided you're going to get this beer in this package. Yeah. Yeah, you might be able to, you, you know, there are some, is there a go ship 440 can, but the bottle is 500? Yeah. Though that one springs to mind, but you don't There have, is a go ship 440 mil can as well. Yeah, that's what, sorry, I thought I just said that. So go ship 440 oh, can okay. and go ship bottle, same beer, but that's a different size um jaipur obviously the 500s went a while ago but you didn't have the option it was 500s then yeah it was 500s or nothing yeah um 
Oh, if anyone does know of any which come in the same, I mean, let's say, let's take the macros out. Let's know. Yeah, but I don't think there is going to be many. No. Next question from Man Cave Beer Reviews at Man Cave underscore beer underscore. Had a cheap supermarket beer the other day, which I thought was excellent, but untapped average score was quite low. Got me thinking, does the score we give differ depending on price paid and who brewed it, even if only subconsciously? I would say undoubtedly. Doesn't for me. Are you sure? How would you know if it's subconsciously? Because I don't... I don't ever use untapped as a source to decide what I'm buying. And I will always rate to what I want to rate to. So I, I won't be influenced by others' no, but views I, on you it. You might be influenced by a brewery that you love. And you might be influenced by a star that you love. Mm, possibly. Or a person who's given you the beer. Or a person who's homebrewed the beer. I, I, I would say that undoubtedly we have a bit more love for things that we know and things that we already have a deep-seated affection for. Um, subjectivity is pretty much ingrained in us and it comes, a lot of time can come from the heart. Whereas objectivity is where you get, you can clearly say, no, I like this beer regardless. And I suppose that's where that blind test, blind tasting, it was, it was complete blind tasting last week we did with Simply Hops was really interesting when mm. you when we actually saw some of the breweries afterwards we were very surprised by that some of those breweries we did know some of them we didn't but some we did and we were a bit surprised at times yeah so you probably can the, some of the scores probably if we use untapped as a as a mar, as a as a marketplace for that some of those scores probably do relate to the love people have for the brewery regardless of their feelings about the beer yeah, I get that. Final question. Paul at UNRCD. After the wonderful addition of the tweet in on Twitter, do you spend more beer, more on beer at home or more in the pub? Now, firstly, I'm going to say the tweet in is a joint venture that I'm involved in. Um, is, this, a, is this one of those full disclosure things? Full disclosure. It's a, a Twitter space that... Myself and Miles and a few others created to just be a place where if people are stuck at home on a Saturday night and well, actually, they fancy having a drink with someone. It's every night of the week. It's, open. It is, it is, it's every night of the week. It's every day of the week. It's 24-7. Uh, you, you can, can always can, pop in. You can even get your airport beers there. And you can have whatever you want at any time. It's always on offer. Uh, but it's just a community space for, for people to get involved in and just have fun. And everything's positive as well. We, we keep everything positive yeah no it's, in, in, it's, in it's, it's come across as uh, for me as someone who's has no involvement whatsoever um, as somewhere that has been uh, positive light refreshing non-judgmental so so yeah so to join us at the tweet at the underscore tweet underscore in um, for judgment free chat I, I think it's possible always, wor always worth yeah. a visit uh, but going back to Paul's question after that Quick ad break. Um, do you spend more on beer at home or in the pub? I spend per unit of beer, probably spend more on the beer I have at home. Because they're the, often the one-offs I'm buying as well. And they can be a bit more expensive. But I probably spend more actual time of my drinking out. 
Okay. I said, look, interesting way of breaking it down. Yeah. Because I, I, I put a value on time. I think time is a very valuable commodity. Yeah. And yes, cash-wise, per unit, the beer, the bulk of the beer in the beer cupboard probably comes a bit more than what I spend per unit when I'm down the pub. I think I think mine is convenience thing. So if I I, I don't get out a lot these days, so I actually no, end up just you not. don't like people. Yeah, well, no, I don't. I don't like people when I don't get out a lot these days. So um, I do spend quite a lot of my time drinking more at home. So I'd, I'd I'd say probably if you was to average it out over the month, if I include what my beer spend is, that monthly box that I said early on that I will buy from Sean plus all my other additions. I'm probably spending more on beer at home than the few times I'll go out to the pub in the month. Yeah, but again, if you your your times out per month probably wouldn't change, even if your beer spend at home was less, because you're constrained by either work or parental responsibilities anyway. Mm. So that wouldn't change. You, but fortunately, you have access, whether that be through supermarkets or online retailers, and have some of the quality beers at home as well. Yeah. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on those questions. Once again, use the hashtag opinions. We are at the end of both the show and our final beer. In fact, yours is gone. Um, what were your thoughts on the double daisy cutter Capra? Um, quite a, this is a bit of a surprise to me, actually, um, because I looked at my previous check-ins for these beers and daisy cutter was just saying things like, Smashable, one of my favourite breweries. Oh, can't drink enough of this kind of thing. And Daisy Cutter Capra, I'd written down. Really enjoyed it, but I prefer the original. Right now, based on tonight, because it's the only time I've ever done them side by side, I would drink the Capra it's over incredible. the Daisy Cutter. Yeah. And bearing in mind they've upped it by 3%, the drinkability of it is superb. I think you get that 3%. Everywhere, so so you get it on the taste. Yep. You get it on the flavour. You get it on the body. You get it on the mouth feel. It's there at every stage. You get it on the finish. Yeah. It's it, it's just full of everything that Daisy's Daisy Cutter has got, but ramped up. Yeah, I mean, what I would say is actually, you know, if people are fans of the New England IPA style, then you actually would see a lot of the things that you like in this beer. Agree, completely agree with that. Yeah, with that soft that what I what I like about the ones I do enjoy are are the soft fruit flavors, and especially those bright orangey lemony kind of fruits that come out. All of that is present in this beer, but it's still got it hasn't got so much of that residual cloying sweetness hanging around. It's still as clear as clear as a bell, clear as day is this one, and it's still got a nice. Dry and bitter finish to it as well. Resin, it's got that resin. It has got resinous to it. I, I, for me, right now, wouldn't be sensible to session it at all. But I could definitely drink a few. I would drink a few more of the Capra over the Daisy Cutter original. So good. I love that. Would wouldn't be sensible to session this. Maybe not, and especially not at ten twenty three on a Monday night. Drink responsibly, folks. what have we got coming up next, mate? <laughs> oh, got, yes! got him before you this time. Avengers Infinity War. Opinions oh, on film. Oh, dear. Yeah, so for anybody that managed to listen to last year's Opinions on Film when we did Avengers Assemble and spent two and a quarter hours 
not talking about the film or bit. <laughs> um, expect pretty much of the same. Yeah, and um, we suggest that anyone who decides to then listen to said show has watched Captain Marvel. Yes, because we let's, both have. Let's put the spoiler alert out there now. We're going to cover what happens in Captain Marvel because it does have a part to play. Yep. We're also going to cover any um, any links that, that we think there yeah. are that we've seen in trailers. Yes, or our fan, our own fan theories yep. as well, and basically anything else that's been in the canon has a chance of being mentioned. Yes, that plus we're going back to drinking a series of beers that we've actually themed around the film as well. Aren't so we? yeah, some of the beers as and one we've already mentioned tonight with the uh the collision course. Yeah, which yeah, was, yeah. was the winner of the Simply Hops underdog competition. Um in fact there's probably quite a few places that beer could could end up in the film. But yeah, a few a, a number of the other beers are going to be slotted in we hope seamlessly at the at the point of the film where you can understand why it's there. Absolutely. Really looking forward to that one. Yes. Actually. And and then we'll be back with the next normal Opinions will be out on second of May. That's been that's been fun tonight. I have you have you enjoyed the because most uh, what three of these beers were revisits. Yes, for you for the Daisy Carter. Did you enjoy them just as much? Um, I did actually. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, if, you, if you're going to put me in a line, uh, the Daisy Cutter double Daisy Cutter Capra is is the standout for me. That, yep. that's the one that's right up there. Uh, I'd then probably go to the tuna after that. Um, Daisy Cutter's great. The life cycle, the Belgian one, that's going in the fridge until a really hot day because that's when it's going to be perfect. Uh, probably one I enjoyed the least was probably the Pilsner. Um, I'm not surprised. It's just got a lot less going on. Like I said, for me, where I had it, when I had it, was just like perfect because I thought, oh, I've had a half acre on, on draft. I was really happy about it. Um, your order, I'd only change a little bit there. I would just, I would go from Daisy Cutter Capra to Daisy Cutter Pale Ale, Tuna, Life Cycle Pony. Yeah, but thank you for sharing those. Pleasure. With, with me tonight, and um, I do look forward to, to, to the next show. Cheers. Again, another death jam, but since I gave you all a little something that I knew you lacked, they still consider me a new jack.